The Planning Board will come to order. Good evening. Welcome to our public hearing on the Clarksburg 10 Mile Creek Limited Master Plan. Um, as staff, has, do you have something to start us off this evening? Uh, yes, good evening. Uh, for the record, uh, my name is Val Lasdens. Uh, I'm Chief of Special Projects for Montgomery County uh, Planning. And uh, there are a few items that we need to uh, enter into the official record regarding this public hearing. Uh, first, a notarized copy of the notice of this public hearing certifying that it was published in the Gazette newspapers on August 7, 2013. A copy of the public hearing draft, 10 Mile Creek Area Limited Amendment to the Clarksburg Master Plan and Hyattstown Special Study Area, dated September 2013 and available on August 7, 2013. A copy of the approved and adopted Clarksburg Master Plan and Hyattstown Special Study Area dated June 1994. And uh, this limited amendment has been transmitted to the Executive and the County Council. We are scheduled to be back before you on September 19th for our first work session on this amendment. And uh, we recommend that you leave the record of this hearing open until September 13th to allow uh, staff to prepare a report. Thank you. Okay. Um, as many of you know, we uh, have a four-hour hearing tonight, and we have about five hours' worth of speakers signed up. So um, first, I will encourage folks who are here to be as brief as you can while stating what you feel you need to say. Um, if you hear, after, after, after hearing a little bit of testimony, if you feel that what you've said has already been said, perhaps several times over, you should feel free to say, I want to go with the people who said X. I agree with the people who said save the creek, or I agree with the people who said keep with the existing master plan, or whatever you've heard, to allow more people to be able to speak tonight. Um, the other thing I will say is that we are scheduled to adjourn relatively early on Thursday. So just depending on um, how many people are left to speak at the end of tonight, we may decide to continue the hearing on Thursday evening. Um, so with that little announcement, um, I will start calling up the first list of speakers. Well, actually, the first speaker is, uh, I believe, a group of people representing Pulte Homes. Mr. Harris, you want to bring up your team? You will see uh, a few groups of people who speak for longer periods of time. I basically granted all requests for extra time because it seemed like the most efficient way to get organized information in front of the board. Record, I'm Bob Harris of uh, Lurch Early and Brewer speaking on behalf of Pulte Homes, the owner of a and large- One more interruption. Folks, will you tell me if you can't hear people? Just give me a signal. People already can't hear. I'm sorry, oh, Mr. Harris. Just move is, the microphone a little closer. That is rare for me not to be heard, but I will, I will improve. Only one at a time. There we go. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, for the record, I'm Bob Harris of Lurch, Early and Brewer, speaking on behalf of Pulte Homes, the owner of a large property uh, in the 10 Mile Creek watershed. Also, also with me tonight are uh, Louis Birnbaum, the division president of Pulte Homes, uh, Marcus Quigley, an engineer with Geosyntech Consultants, and Gus Bauman of Beverage and Diamond. 
regrettably, Pulte has been pushed to the wall on an investment of more than $60 million, uh, hence our testimony tonight. In the limited time I personally have tonight, I want to make five points. First, I, we believe the draft amendment does not respond to the scope of work approved by the County Council. Last October, the Council approved a limited master plan study to, and I quote, determine how comprehensive watershed protection and state-of-the-art environmental site design can be used in the Ten Mile Creek watershed to best achieve sustainability and the original master plan environmental protection and community building goals, including a thorough review and application of the published science and available field data. Uh, we believe staff and their consultants have ignored the direction to consider ESD requirements and other ends other state-of-the-art water quality protection measures that would be used by Pulte to achieve the prescribed sustainability and the original master plan goals. In fact, although they acknowledge that ESD would have a beneficial effect on water quality in Ten Mile Creek over older methods of stormwater management, the consultants admit their modeling does not reflect those benefits. Had those new technologies and recent regulatory requirements been considered fairly, they would affirm the decision made in 1994 that the development recommended for the Ten Mile Creek area would indeed protect the water quality. Moreover, staff, has attempts, staff also attempts to justify its major downzoning recommendations for the Pulte property on claims about forest conservation, wildlife protection, and other objectives that are beyond the scope of the water quality analysis work prescribed for the master plan study. Second. Not one but three different environmental engineering firms engaged by Pulte have reviewed the consultant's work on the issues independently and have prepared reports, copies of which are being provided to you today. Each of these organizations finds the consultant's studies to be seriously flawed. Not only do the staff consultant studies ignore the admitted benefits of ESD, but various assumptions and calculations in the studies are themselves erroneous. For example, the consultant's model for existing runoff conditions is off by a factor of eight from actual streamflow monitoring data. Modeling results cannot be reliable when the existing conditions are so far off from reality. The conclusions then are eroded further by their modeling of infiltration rates and soil compaction assumptions that do not reflect actual conditions and factor in an erroneous overland flow length and use incorrect slope data. Without getting into the other deficiencies in the staff consultant studies, I can only tell you that all three of the experts engaged by Pulte independently find the consultant modeling to be seriously deficient. We are submitting to you analytical reports prepared by these engineers citing chapter and verse of those errors. Were those errors corrected, the results would confirm the full protection of Ten Mile Creek under current environmental protection measures without the need for a major downzoning. Third, and perhaps most importantly, even with those flaws, the staff consultant studies still conclude that water quality in Ten Mile Creek overall is good today and most importantly will remain good even if the watershed is developed consistent with the current master plan intention and current zoning. And I've cited the pages in the staff report and in their report uh, where those conclusions are made. Um, to me, wasn't that the question the staff was to study? And doesn't the affirmative answer that the overall water quality in Ten Mile Creek will be protected mean the current master plan should not be changed? Fourth, last December, Pulte submitted a pre-application concept plan for this property, showing one way in which it could be developed to its full density. Under the existing zoning, while incorporating ESD measures, 
force conservation requirements, and stream buffer protections that would fully achieve the water quality protection goal. Neither that design not option nor others allowed under the existing zoning were analyzed in the consultant studies. On the other hand, Pulte's experts have themselves analyzed those development scenarios and have concluded that the site can be developed under its existing zoning while fully protecting water quality in Ten Mile Creek. Here again, we are submitting information for the record to support this. Finally, we are particularly bothered by the radically different way in which staff would treat the various properties that drain into Ten Mile Creek, all of which are related to the overall water quality of the stream. On the one hand, staff recommends a major downzoning for the Pulte property, resulting in only 20% of the density possible under the current zoning, while on the other hand, recommending either maintaining the existing zoning on other properties or zoning them to allow even more intensive development, even though those other sites are in the actual headwaters of the Ten Mile Creek. Similarly, while recommending an 8% impervious cap for the Pulte property, they propose a 15% cap for properties owned by Montgomery County, a 25% cap for the Egan, Matlin, and Miles Coppola properties, and no impervious cap for the historic district. To the extent new development in Ten Mile Creek will have any impact on the water quality of Ten Mile Creek, each property should be treated equally. One should not have development potential taken away while now allowing another to develop far more intensively and thereby producing the same overall water quality. Robbing Peter to pay Paul is not a legally defensible policy. In closing, we are submitting for the record a compilation of our own reports and a wide variety of supporting documents reflected in the cover letter. Thank you for listening to our concerns. And the documents are over there in a box that I will provide to your staff. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, for the opportunity to speak with the board and the public this evening. My name is Marcus Quigley, and I'm a Principal Water Resources Engineer from Geosyntech Consultants. Geosyntech is a nationally recognized environmental consulting firm specializing in, among other things, providing expert analysis and evaluation of water resources engineering issues. We are regularly consulted by private industry, the federal government, states, and local jurisdictions to assist in evaluating complex hydrologic, hydraulic, and water quality issues in both the built and natural systems. I personally have led stormwater projects in all 50 states, designed or have overseen the construction of many low-impact development and green infrastructure projects, and have conducted stormwater modeling work of systems ranging from the smallest cisterns and bioretention cells <clears throat> to nationwide efforts aimed at reducing the impacts of development on our receiving waters. Our firm was asked to review documentation and associated modeling work conducted for the Maryland National Capital and Park and Planning Commission concerning the Pulte property tributary to Ten Mile Creek, specifically subwatersheds LSTM 110 and LSTM 111. But before agreeing to conduct this review and before looking at the plans when uh, what was proposed, I had a single important question for Pulte. Was Pulte committed to designing and constructing a development that was protective of the resources of Ten Mile Creek? The answer came back an emphatic yes. We have spent considerable effort in reviewing the available reports, designs, and technical analysis, and conducted our own analyses and modeling since that conversation. Most importantly, I wanted to take this opportunity to directly relay a subset of our key findings regarding the existing hydrologic conditions in Ten Mile Creek, watershed, and the potential impacts of the Pulte development consistent with current zoning and master planning within the subject watersheds. From our analysis, we have found broadly, at a basic technical level, the modeling conducted by 
Argon Planning's consultants does not contain adequate detail to technically support staff's recommendations. Furthermore, critical components of the actual modeling are inconsistent with the consultant's own statements about how the work was conducted and are incorrect. The components that are incorrect have a major impact on the results relied on by staff. The issues we have found with the work are numerous. I have selected four issues to highlight this evening. Number one, the coarseness of the model. The coarseness of the hydrologic modeling work conducted by Park and Planning's consultants is inadequate to properly examine uh, the existing or proposed conditions. Primary hydrologic processes and major physiographic features of the watersheds are neglected or poorly represented and are not reflective of the actual field conditions. Number two, the assumptions used in Park and Planning's consultants' modeling are inconsistent with actual field conditions and are incorrect. One easy uh, to relay example is that the existing condition watersheds are modeled with a single hydrologic slope, 3.1% for LSTM 110, 4.1% for LSTM 111. Anyone who has been to the location can see that this is a gross underestimate of hydrologic flow path slope. Detailed analysis confirms what one already knows from observation. Similar discrepancies exist in existing and proposed conditions, modeling assumptions for curve number selection, cover conditions, choices of subwatershed delineations, soil properties, infiltration rates into soils, overland flow path lengths, and basic routing. These other discrepancies impact flows significantly. Item number three, the lack of apparent verification, calibration, or even basic comparison to independent sources of hydrologic information. The existing conditions model results relied on by staff are well outside of independent predictive results and norms for the area. There is no apparent attempt to use existing flow data to calibrate, verify, or otherwise compare the attained, obtained results to the extensive record from similar, similar or even undisturbed watersheds in the Piedmont region. If the consultants had done so, they would have found that even completely forested watersheds in the Piedmont have peak flows far above the existing condition modeled systems, and indeed the actual measured flows in 10 Mile Creek itself. <clears throat> Detailed findings on this issue are provided in our written testimony. The number four, the modeling itself is incorrectly executed and does not actually function in the manner described in the related reports. For example, the report indicates that in the 1994 master plan, Built, condition, built out condition, a constant infiltration rate into underlying soils from bioretention occurs at a rate of 0.05 inches per hour. However, this never occurs in the model itself due to an apparently incorrect setup of the model. That portion of the model was set to 100% imperviousness and therefore does not infiltrate at all. Horton's equation is never used to infiltrate water into the underlying soils. Geosyntech has also conducted its own detailed modeling and has found that the Pulte ESD environmental site design will reduce peak flow rates during the one and two year design events below existing condition flow rates. It is possible to achieve hydrologic stream protection using accurate existing conditions peak flows, reasonable infiltration rates, regulatory compliant recharge volumes, and appropriate ESD design assumptions. Lastly, I want to be clear that the research, empirical data, and our practical experience all indicate that environmental site design, when implemented in a thoroughly and technically sound manner, is an effective strategy to protect and indeed enhance hydrology, hydraulics, and water quality. I asked my esteemed colleague, Dr. William Hunt from North Carolina State University, one of the nation's top academic experts on the subject to weigh in on this matter, and we point the board to his written testimony submitted tonight, which reiterates and further supports the effectiveness of environmental site design. Thank you.
Good evening. I am Gus Ballman of Beverage and Diamond speaking on behalf of Pulte Homes. The draft master plan amendment before you is a mistake of enormous proportions, something I have not witnessed in my four decades here. And if the planning board does not fix this, the county council will have to. Let me count the ways. First, Clarksburg was established by the county general plan in 1994 Clarksburg master plan as the last county Carter community along I-270. Almost half the county is off limits to any development, a remarkable figure. Yet the county's population will continue to grow substantially. Clarksburg, because of its strategic Carter location, has always been planned and zoned to be a major housing resource. Second, the current 1994 master plan, unlike the draft amendment before you, is a truly comprehensive plan, balancing land use, housing, commercial development, transportation, environmental, historic, and agricultural needs and resources, all combined with detailed implementation tools. The plan is a work of careful compromise and acute vision, providing for the growth of a well-rounded town of 43,000 residents bestriding I-270. Countless property owners, citizens, businesses, and farmers have relied on that plan and its zoning. They've relied on the fact that Montgomery County takes its master plans and its zoning laws seriously. At least, it always has. Third, a big part of creating this new town was to place some 1,800 acres on Clarksburg's west side into the county agricultural reserve. At the same time, TDR receiving areas were stamped by the county on several properties, including Pulte's 538 acres. That was no idle act. It is extremely hard to find properties in this county for designation as TDR receiving areas. Most of the county is off limits politically. And to this day, we have way too few TDR receiving areas compared with the TDRs piled up in the sending areas. The amendment before you, by effectively wiping out Pulte's TDRs, which it paid millions for because of the zoning affixed to its land, is an unprecedented attack on this county's vaunted TDR program and breaks faith with all those relying on it. Fourth, at around the time we were developing the Clarksburg Master Plan, the county bought about 474 acres on the west side in the 10 Mile Creek watershed in order to build, among other things, a huge jail complex which included running sewer and water lines on the west side. The county, by its own proprietary actions, deemed the west side appropriate for significant development. No one should be taken aback that Clarksburg's well-rounded vision for both sides of I-270 called for a full 1,800 acres on the far west side to move into the agricultural reserve for less, for less dense development on the near west side and more dense development on the east side given the many interlocking goals painstakingly laid out in the 1994 plan. Fifth, the master plan also calls for the Carter City's transit way to come to Clarksburg. At the planned 43,000 residents, that is cutting it real close for a viable transit way. Yet the amendment before you would cut the local population by slashing the home sites on Pulte's sizable tract. This is no way to assist the CCT in obtaining scarce available funding and to realistically reach Clarksburg. And sixth, where is the long-desired town center? 
If there is one thing retail stores require in order to agree to come, it's being assured of enough local customers with decent disposable income to justify the financial risk. The Pulte site is the one carefully planned, designated place in all of Clarksburg that is zoned for a larger lot, three to five bedroom homes. Yet the amendment before you would eviscerate the number of homes on Pulte's property. This is no way to help the already delayed town center project. Accordingly, the master plan amendment before you is neither comprehensive nor balanced. It is also counter to the counties and Clarksburg's housing policy, agricultural TDR policy, economic development policy, transit policy, and town center community building policy. And it demeans anyone trying to adhere to the famously rigorous state and county environmental policies and laws. This amendment plainly targets Pulte with an unprecedented downzoning from a residential to an agricultural classification, from a 900 home site to, at most, 215 homes. It then proceeds to effectively wipe out the TDRs purchased by Pulte in good faith reliance on its TDR zoning. And then the amendment piles on with a discriminatory impervious limit coupled with a confiscatory instruction that some 85% of the site be dedicated to parkland and open space. Not to be outdone, the draft amendment at pages 19 to 21 then layers on even more stringent requirements as to Pulte's land use, restrictions so vague and overbroad as to violate basic notions of due process of law. They have no place being in a county master plan. And why all this violence to the Clarksburg master plan? Why this upending of legitimate, settled expectations of a hurting community? Why this extraordinary assault on Pulte's rights and sensitively composed neighborhood plan? Purportedly, it is to protect Ten Mile Creek. Yet your own deeply flawed environmental studies is borne out by our submitted expert critiques. Even they acknowledge that at the end of the day, Ten Mile Creek's water quality will be fine even without using environmental site design techniques if you just follow the existing master plan as well as our laws and thereby let this town thrive as had been originally promised. Consequently, the draft amendment before you in its singling out and laying waste to Pulte's use of its land violates the Constitution's taking, due process, and equal protection clauses. It reduces Pulte's land to nothingness it is arbitrary and it is discriminatory. It also happens to violate fundamental fairness. And given what the environmental studies say and do not say, the draft amendment before you can offer no compelling justification for its destructive treatment of Pulte's property rights. It is, in short, at once needless and heedless. The planning board should thus inform the county council we did the study you requested. We stand by our laws, our policies, and the living, breathing Clarksburg master plan. Thank you. <clears throat> Madam Chair, Vice Chair, Commissioners, good evening. My name is Louis Birnbaum. I am the president of Pulte Homes Mid-Atlantic Division, and they are the owner of most of the property referred to as the Pulte property. We came before you tonight to present compelling evidence and testimony why adopting the proposed amendment to the Clarksburg Master Plan is irresponsible planning 
and will result in catastrophic economic impact to the long-term viability of Clarksburg becoming a true corridor city. We fear the damage to the credibility of master plans in this county would create considerable risk to the county as a place for future business investment, and we now understand that sending this amendment to the county council can result in a considerable distraction and source of embarrassment for the staff at Park and Planning. All of these things should be avoided. What has not been talked about until now is that support for this amendment would deny this county the ability to expand upon the single most important driver of this county's culture and success, great family communities. Montgomery County is known primarily as a place with amazing family-oriented communities with great schools and public amenities. Furthermore, it is the community that builds the school and the surrounding amenities, not vice versa. And I know this because it has been many of our Pulte communities that have supported these needs. Our 45-year history in this county has produced some of the most desirable, family-inspired neighborhoods in the area. This is evident today in both the historically small supply of resales on the market in these communities and the even more incredible price appreciation since their completion. Look no further than Fox Hills and Claggett Farm in Potomac, or Kings Farm in Falls Grove in Rockville, or even the recently completed reserve at Fair Hill in Olney, just to name a few of some of the communities we've done in this county. All of these communities had to achieve a reasonable and responsible balance between our environment and the desires of your constituents. The pride the current and previous homeowners have in these communities is tangible and readily shared. This we know. This is what we at Pulte are experts at identifying and creating. Years ago, we identified the next great Montgomery County community in what is known as stage four of the Clarksburg Master Plan. We saw a carefully and meticulously planned marriage between a community, its density and unique product mix, its environmental stewardship, and its connectivity to a vibrant and growing town center and surrounding community. It is for those reasons we have invested over $60 million to date on this plan. It is the perfect embodiment of what makes Montgomery County so special and had the commitment of a carefully and responsibly crafted master plan. This draft amendment before you means we cannot use our property. The opportunity for this community to create over $13 million in annual local retail spending and 356 permanent local jobs is not the icing on the cake. In this particular case, it is every bit as vital an ingredient to the overall long-term success of the entire Clarksburg Master Plan and was a key consideration in its original creation. A few years ago, at the suggestion of then-Councilman Mike Knapp, we started meeting with the local environmental activists to prove that our modeling using the latest technology and laws, including environmental site design practices, would create a community that would represent the most responsible, environmentally designed and managed suburban community that Montgomery County has ever seen. We have proven this fact over and over again, only for it to be made clear that the groups we were working with had misrepresented their willingness or their aptitude to understand and realize what we can accomplish. They have worked behind the scenes to deny us our due process and rights under the master plan and to compel our local officials to punt their responsibilities to another day and another department. Which brings us here. This board has the opportunity to send a strong message to our elected officials. Free Clarksburg from the recent trend in politics that no action is better than good leadership and keeping promises. Free Clarksburg from the fear mongers among us. Free Clarksburg from the economic recession that the rest of the county and the country has begun to recover from. 
reaffirm the rights and intent of the Clarksburg Master Plan and allow us to complete what will be an incredible community in addition to this county. On behalf of many concerned residents and business leaders and chambers of commerce of Montgomery County, the 150 local Pulte employees whose futures will be affected by your decisions on this plan, and our future homeowners at 10 Mile Creek, I can say proudly and with a clear conscience that the master plan combined with current environmental management and mitigation laws will produce a world-class community that Clarksburg and the county will consider a prized asset for years to come. Thank you for your time and your consideration. Thank you all. Um, Mr. Harris, um, my staff I, I know has a list of documents they would like to see from your consultant and hopefully your box already has all those things. But if not, I hope that you'll be willing to work with them to supply anything else they feel they need. Because we really do want to be able to understand the analysis. Thank you. Okay, next we have a group of community representatives. Um, and I'm not sure you'll all fit at the table together, but we'll try. Um, Anne Sinkway, did I get it right this time? No. He was not supposed to be in that order. I know that's what it says, but that was not my promise. Uh, Jay Sinkway. Is Ann James on your list, Ms. Sinkway? Kathy Wiss. For John Menke. How many mics do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six. And Scott Fossler. I think Beth Daly was also on your group, but we've run out of mics. So if you want her to come at the same time, you'll have to share mics. Okay, then she can be next. If one of you wants to wait and sit with Ms. Daly, she won't have to sit by herself. Well, I thought so. Sugarloaf Citizens Association. Okay. Okay. She'll be next. Okay. Ms. Sinkway. Good evening, Madam Chairman. Turn on your mic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can mispronounce my name and I can. Good evening, Madam Chair, board members, and concerned citizens. My name is Anne Sinkew. I live on Slidell Road in Boyd's. It seems that almost always this board has to make decisions that call upon its role either as steward of the land or as speaker for the economic growth and welfare of the people. In a decision to preserve Ten Mile Creek and hence the reservoir, there is no such conflict. Just as clear as the need to preserve the purity of the reservoir for ethical and environmental reasons is the need to preserve the purity of the reservoir for the 4.2 million people who depend on it as backup for the drinking water supply. There will be no growth if drinking water is not guaranteed. The needs of both land and people are one and the same. Indeed, it was for the welfare of the people that the Planning Board and County Council first created the reservoir, asking and receiving 
farms and homes from the people of Boyd's, the board and county council made a strong, strong case for the essential need of the reservoir for the people in this and the metro region. Tens of millions of dollars were spent by the county to buy land under and around the Little Seneca Reservoir. Jill and Jay Chadwick, I spoke with Jill the other day, sold their 700-acre farm at substantial loss to be used as parkland. They felt, quoting Jill, it was the right thing to do. The Pulte staff referred to promises. Promises were made to and remembered by many, many Boyd citizens. They were promised that the streams and creeks and the reservoir would be, would be kept pure in perpetuity. People who are here today, my husband was president of Boyd Civic Association at the time of the promise. I was. John Menke, on Jay's right, past county council president at that time. We remember that promise. You have letters from other people who remember that promise, among whom is Peg Coleman, a longtime resident and author of a book on the history of Boyd's and the reservoir. I have spoken to many who remember, too many to enumerate here. The significance of the reservoir and the promise was remembered and honored by both the board and county council in the years that followed. Again, tens of millions of dollars were spent in the purchase of land west of the creek. I'm talking about west of the creek here, not the west that many people will refer to. West of the creek um, is still among the east of 270. Okay. The proposal for a golf course situated on the headwaters of the west side of the creek became Buck Lodge Forest, a very expensive county-owned park. The land on which a proposal for 17 houses on the headwaters of the west side of the creek was purchased and preserved by the county as conservation parkland. So much county money has been spent to preserve the purity of headwaters west of Ten Mile Creek. Now there are proposals which would enormously threaten headwaters east of the creek. What is the difference? It is obviously impossible to save one half of a flowing creek. Why were millions of dollars of county money spent buying land to protect the headwaters for the last 20 years? Why were millions of dollars of county money spent wrenching homes and farms from people living and farming where the reservoir is now situated? Do you understand why we're perplexed? Has something changed? This proposal that, we are suggest that will be suggested need not cost the money much money, the county much money. Jay will speak more about that shortly. The board of the early 80s has a legacy of having created a reservoir which now serves 4.2 million people. The board since then has legacies of having preserved and protected the reservoir and the creeks which flow into it. What will be your legacy? Will your stewardship also protect the land and the people? Or will your stewardship serve a few developers? 
Will your stewardship destroy the visions of the past? The moral, although very difficult and expensive decisions which have been made in the very chairs upon which you sit. It is impossible for us to imagine that this is a difficult choice. Thank you very much for the time and gracious attention you have given this matter. Jay. My name is Jay Sinkew. I live at 22300 Slidell Road, Boyd's. <clears throat> Thank you for giving me the time to speak on this proposed master plan amendment. I recognize that the Maryland National Park and Planning Commission plays two different functions um, and assumes two different responsibilities in this master plan consideration. In your regulatory function, you will be considering such issues as zoning, subdivision design, adequacy of public water, sewer, transportation, etc. But you also have another function. Since you own all of the land around and under Little Seneca uh, Reservoir, and you hold that land in trust for all of the citizens of the greater Washington area. You are the trustee for the citizens of the greater Washington area. I believe that your function and responsibility as trustee trumps your role as regulator. It requires a special moral responsibility to all of the people in the greater Washington area. So as you, as you move forward in considering what the development impacts might do to Little Seneca Lake, a reservoir, and you hear what has already happened to the lake and how critical then the protection of Ten Mile Creek becomes, I thought it might be helpful to consider what other states and local jurisdictions have already done to protect their water supply for their populations. Other jurisdictions have embraced stringent measures to protect their, waters, <clears throat> their drinking water, a vital resource. Measures like these should be adopted for this master plan amendment to preserve Little Seneca Reservoir. Under its long-range plan, New York City is acquiring hundreds of thousands of acres surrounding its reservoir in the, in the Catskills to provide enough clean drinking water for future generations. Planners recognize that the ownership of land ensures that crucial natural areas remain undeveloped while eliminating the threat for more damaging uses to the wetlands and watersheds. Also, the city found that land acquisition costs less than constructing and operating new filtration plants. This, of course, is a very prudent move because New York City recognizes that their population is going to double by 2030. Similarly, the state of New Jersey has set aside 415,000 acres in the highlands as a preservation area for several reservoirs. Their watersheds were being fragmented and lost to rapid development, while surface and groundwaters were being <coughs> de depleted. A regional master plan now protects large areas of contiguous forests, steep slopes, including those with shallow and erodible soils, critical habitat areas, riparian buffers, and groundwater recharge areas. Development is limited to pre-existing uses, deforestation is prohibited, and impaired forests are to be restored. A 300-foot riparian buffer has been prescribed for all water resources, which can be expanded to protect critical habitats and steep slopes. Zoning can also be used to protect drinking water. 
Baltimore County has placed most of its three re reservoirs and their watersheds outside the urban-rural demarcation line in an area similar to Montgomery County's agricultural reserve, except that their minimum lot size is 50 acres. The reservoirs are further protected by large tracts of forested land, county and state parks, and conservation easements. Planning tools like these, if applied to 10 Mile Creek watershed, would go a long way to protecting Little Seneca Reservoir for the 4.2 million people who depend upon it. Development should be prohibited in all areas of high resource value identified by environmental consultants. Steep slopes, er erodible soils, hydric soils, forests, interior forests, 100-year floodplains, perennial and intermittent streams, ephemeral channels, wetlands, springs, seeps, and seasonal ponds all need protected, not just some of them. <clears throat> Areas could be designated, as New Jersey has done, much wider riparian buffers should be adopted to protect streams, springs, wetlands, seasonal ponds, and floodlands. Building on steep slopes, especially those with shallow or erodible soils, should be prohibited. Areas could be designated for reforestation to stabilize the watershed. Both the east and west sides of 10 Mile Creek watershed should be put in, an ag in the agricultural reserve, as this planning board recommended when you were considering the Clarksburg Master Plan in 1993. Rural, zo rural zoning is the approach Baltimore County has taken to protect its reservoirs. Montgomery County could also establish an environmental preservation zone in which development is prohibited on lands containing natural resources of high value. Mr. Sinkew, that noise said it was your time was up, so I need you okay. to bring it to a close. We've got a lot of okay. people who want to speak. I, I, I simply urge you to adopt these measures uh, and to uh, consider creating a preservation zone uh, and to meet your responsibility as the trustees of this land. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ms. James? Yes, good evening. My name is Ann James, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Timber Oak Residents Association of Germantown. We are a large group of concerned citizens. We live in and around Little Seneca Lake Reservoir. As you know, Ten Mile Creek flows directly into the reservoir, and it is a truly wonderful amenity and a necessary backup drinking water reservoir for the D.C. metropolitan area. I have known the reservoir since 1987, when my young son came here to learn how to fish. I drive the pontoon boat for the park as one of many volunteers, and I walk the trails around the lake every day. It is an area of outstanding natural beauty, and it is much loved and enjoyed by well over 100,000 people each year, and these are the visitor center figures. Living by the lake, I've been able to observe at close hand the changes in the reservoir over the last 25 years. After a storm, the lake was always clear. At least, that was the case until recently when development starting to take, started to take place in Clarksburg. And we have a map here which we'll give you copies of, but this shows the headwaters and the clean part of the lake. And over here on Cabin Branch and Seneca Creek, you can see how development has already negatively impacted the reservoir. 
I, when I steer the pontoon boat under the bridge at Route 121 up Ten Mile Creek, which I do frequently, and the pontoon boat in the summer is always packed to the gills with children wanting to learn about water, importance of water, how we must keep a reservoir clean, about nature. But the transformation that I see in the waters from murky as it is by Cabin Branch and Little Seneca Creek streams is remarkable. From murky to clear, in the part of the lake where Ten Mile Creek flows, the water is alive. There are bald eagles and osprey flying overhead. Herons and kingfishers compete for fish. Families of beavers have built many lodges. Last week, I counted 12 active beaver lodges there. And I'd like to point out also, I was kayaking last week on the lake, and in Cabin Branch part, there are no beaver lodges. This is a part of the lake where the fishermen come to catch the most fish. And clearly, there is a correlation between clean water and nature. There are signs around the reservoir that tell us that since it's a drinking water reservoir, um, gasoline engines are not allowed on the boats, swimming and wading are not allowed, pet waste must be properly disposed of, all because we must keep the reservoir as clean as possible. As has been said before, tens of millions of dollars were spent to establish the reservoir. As citizens, we all know what we must do to safeguard our water. So, why would development even be considered in such a sensitive watershed? WSSC, the custodian of the reservoir, states clearly, and I quote, that we are they are entrusted by our community to provide clean water, all in an ethically and responsible manner. Developers have made many promises before, and now they promise, and I quote again, more re retail opportunities, fine dining, and luxury homes, but that should never outweigh the importance of clean water. We know that these kind of environmental fixes were used when development took place in Seneca Creek and Crab Cabin Branch tributaries, and as you can plainly see by this map, they have negatively impacted the reservoir. We can build elsewhere, but we have only one clean creek in Montgomery County. We cannot risk any more pollution. Our citizens group has done door-to-door -door canvassing from Germantown to Boyd's to Clarksburg, and we have the signatures to prove it. The response is unanimous. Clean water is essential for our well-being. If polluted, we create a major public health issue for our future. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ms. Wiss. Um, I'm going to ask if John Makey, Makey could go before me because he's talking about the lake. See if I can get your machine working here. Okay. Does F5 work on this? There we go. This is supposed to go somewhere, yeah, I think. Yeah, they're, they're working on having them, having it talk to the screen. We didn't know this was coming if you told us ahead of time. I did. Well, normally if you say it ahead of time, they have it ready. There okay. we go. Okay. Thank you very much. Good to be here this evening. My name's John Mickey. Creek. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, I introduced myself and I'd like to talk about the Little Seneca Reservoir. Uh, some of this has been talked about before. Uh, part of the problem, that the one that I want to talk about is that the effective development of Ten Mile Creek and the area uh, depend on the new water quality measures. It's not at all clear that they are going to be sufficient. Worse than that, the plan amendment does not consider the Little Seneca Reservoir. It only considers the creek. If the Clarksburg development degrades the, the Little Seneca Reservoir, we will lose an, a valuable asset. What was the purpose of the reservoir? It was to supplement low flow in the Potomac, which it has done. It's a possible emergency backup for when the Potomac filtration plant goes down. That's not in place, but it remains a potential. And of course, it's a recreation facility. It is a regional asset. We need to take care of it. And, and being nice about it isn't good enough. We have to be very determinative in it. There's a huge investment. The first big investment, not monetary, was to destroy a beautiful valley. I led the Bi-County Water Supply Task Force in 1977, 35 years ago, that started and actually committed to building this lake. We knew the valley we were destroying. We spent a lot of money. There are numerous examples of agreements over the last 35 years to implement the reservoir and decades of work, starting with that Bi-County Task Force. We do risk trashing this investment. The data that I will show tonight, uh, I believe, shows that the Little Seneca Reservoir quality has already been compromised by development. In particular, the west side near the Ten Mile Creek portion of the lake is much cleaner than the east side, where there's been higher development. I'll show this in some more slides. The systems to protect the lake have not been demonstrated here. Maybe elsewhere, maybe on paper and in models, but they have not been demonstrated here. To orient you, Tridelphia Reservoir is up on the upper right on the Patuxent. Little Seneca Reservoir is on the left, and Potomac Filtration Plant is down in the, uh, on the Potomac River. Here's an aerial view showing the Little Seneca Reservoir. And of course, above in the center of the screen is the new Clarksburg development that's occurring. I'll show you the basin in a minute. All the area on the right-hand side and lower part of the screen is Germantown. These are uh, hand-drawn, so they're not quite exact, uh, renditions of the three basins that drain into the lake. On the left is Ten Mile Creek. Virtually no, no development has occurred there. Cabin Branch in the center, and Little Seneca Creek on the right-hand side. And if you notice, uh, which you can see on the screen, the, uh, all the streets and so forth do show where development has been occurring. And Little Seneca Creek drainage is pretty highly developed. This is an expanded view of the lake uh, to show where the sampling stations are, whose data I'm going to talk about. The first sampling station is number one at the bottom near the dam. The eastern one on Little Seneca Creek, uh, I'll call it branch of the lake, is number two. Cabin Branch is three. Ten Mile Creek is four. You'll notice also in the upper middle is Cabin Branch, which shows, although it's not intensely developed, it is pretty developed in terms of large lot residential. Uh, also notice the eastern branch near and around the number two is discolored relative to the rest of the lake, and that's some of the turbidity. I don't know the date of this photograph. It's from the uh, GIS system of park and planning. Now, there are many measures of water quality. I'm only going to look at one tonight, which is dissolved oxygen. 
I'm going to show some examples of dissolved oxygen data from uh, the WSSCs taken in Tridelphia and Rocky Gorge reservoirs and also in Little Seneca Reservoir. First one will demonstrate uh, this. Let me explain it just a bit. This is through the year from February to October across the bottom line. The top blue line is the surface of the lake. And so they sample at different depths and plot this. So this plots one location near the dam, Rocky Gorge Reservoir, and shows as you go down toward the bottom what happens with the dissolved oxygen. Obviously, high levels of oxygen are good. Low levels are not so good. And it shows that in the summertime, there's an increasing amount of, of low levels of dissolved oxygen in the bottom of the reservoir. This shows Tridelphia, very different. I would argue it's worse, uh, but it uh, shows very different. Now, we don't have the same data for Little Seneca. Uh, WSSC does not sample in as much detail as Little Seneca, but we do have some data. And what I'll show you is from 2010. All of the data, uh, this is the first of four graphs. And they're a little complicated, so bear with me. The red and yellow lines show the two and five uh, milligrams per liter of, of dissolved oxygen lim limits. Water levels across the top. And we have four different parts of the lake being sampled on this day. This was 16th of March, 2010. The bottommost curve is the sample station next to the dam. Remember, we want lots of dissolved oxygen, so we want all the points to be as far to the right as we can. So it's high levels of dissolved oxygen. That shows pretty good all the way down to the bottom at the dam. And then each of the other three branches of the lake are shown. And guess what? Uh, Little Seneca Creek, remember, that's the one with all the development, shows the most trend toward the left as you go down in the water, showing, I think, the results of the development there. Ten Mile Creek, that light blue one down uh, right above the one for the dam, shows the least trend to the left. If we go later in the year, now we're in April, we can see a distinct difference among the three sites showing that the Little Seneca Creek on the, right, on the east is much worse than Ten Mile Creek on the west. Here we are in July. There's been apparently a turnover in the lake at this point, which, shows, which is why the big number in the, to, to the right. But again, you can see Little Seneca Creek's the worst. Ten Mile Creek is the best. And then finally in October, even in October, where they all track each other pretty closely, we still see the same variation. So what we're seeing, I don't have a conclusion. What we're seeing to me is that Little Seneca Lake, uh, Reservoir quality is not all that great. It's, it's pretty good, but it's not all that great. There's a big difference between the east and west. The degradation is certainly correlated to the amount of development in the basin that's feeding it. And I would argue that developing Clarksburg significantly past where it is may damage to the Little Seneca Reservoir to an unknown degree. And if it's once damaged, there are no feasible remedies that I know of. I would suggest before proceeding to the next major phase of Clarksburg that there should be a major study and policy discussion of what's going on at Little Seneca Reservoir. What are we doing to it? What are we going to do to it? What should it be preserved for and to what standards? And as far as I know, that has not been done. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Mr. Menke. Um, Ms. Wiss, are you ready to speak now? I'm really speaking of a different subject. 
Um, my name is Jim Brown. I'm a resident of Barnesville, uh, very near the reservoir. And what Mr. To, Foster. Wait, nobody can hear you, first but, of all. And what happened to Mr. Fossler? He couldn't make it I, tonight. You, are you subbing? It's fine. I just wanted to make know whether I needed to call Mr. Fossler separately. Sorry. Okay. okay. Thank you. We have a summary of his uh, statement, um, which I'm going to make. And can we you have pull a, the mic a little closer? I'm sorry. I know it's not convenient. We don't have a great sound system. Okay. Uh, Mr. Foster shares <coughs> Mr. Mankey's concerns, which you've just heard, and is especially troubled that Little uh, Seneca Reservoir, which is not included in the formal planning area for this proposal, is not being given the consideration it requires, is the major emergency water supply for Montgomery County <coughs> and the entire capital region. In the 1960s, the national capital region, along with the entire United States, suffered one of the longest and deepest droughts in its recorded history. In response, Congress commissioned the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to undertake the Northeast United States Water Supply Study to propose long-range strategies to meet water needs. The metropolitan Washington area, as you know, is river-dependent, taking nearly all its supply from the Potomac without the kinds of storage and transmission systems typical of other large areas such as Boston and New York City. To remedy our area's problems, the Corps of Engineers proposed 16 major reservoirs as part of a 50-year plan. But that plan was not adopted as it was too expensive. Plus, its devastation of regional ecology, cultural and social economic patterns, open space, and wilderness areas. So during the 1980s, when Mr. Foster was the Montgomery County Council President, he worked with COG to develop a different way of meeting the region's water supply needs in a more efficient and less environmentally damaging manner. What resulted was a coordinated system of interconnections and mutual backup. The uh, Jennings-Randolph Reservoir, also called Bloomington Reservoir, straddles the Maryland-West Virginia border and from there provides the main uh, uh, backup in volume, some 13 billion gallons of water to the area. But because it's in the upper reaches of the Potomac River Basin, the water released from the reservoir requires seven to nine days to reach the Washington area. Little Seneca Reservoir is smaller, but with some four billion gallons of storage, it is located in Montgomery County and can be more quickly augment the flow in the Potomac to reach the intakes and thus is the major backup in proximity. The solution we negotiated is called the Water Supply Coordination Agreement of 1982, formally signed by the region's major water utilities and interstate commission on the Potomac River Basin. <clears throat> so in light of this background, Mr. Foster tried to make the, fo the following key points. And I'll be very brief. First, Little River uh, Seneca Reservoir is the principal emergency water supply for Montgomery County. It is slowly, if it is slowly degraded over time, it will not be there when we need it. Second, Little Seneca Reservoir is the main proximate water supply for the entire Washington metropolitan area. Montgomery County has a major responsibility to protect Little Seneca Reservoir, not just for its own citizens, but for the entire national capital region. Third, Little Seneca Reservoir should be seen as even broader con in, in the even broader context of the Potomac River and Chesapeake Bay watersheds. Fourth, Montgomery County's regional stewardship of Little Seneca Reservoir involves not just the well-being of the reservoir itself, but also the trust and credibility that we owe to the region. I need to ask you to bring to a In conclusion, close. before proceeding with the next phase of the Clarksburg plan, there should be a major study and policy discussion about Little River Reservoir, Little Seneca Reservoir, so that we can be certain we know precisely what we are doing and the possible damage we could cause. Okay. Thank you.
you all. I just had one question for Mr. Mankey with the, the charts you have. I mean, we have those in the record, but where was that data drawn from? Is that from WSSC or did, the, does our staff have that as well? The dissolved oxygen data was from WSSC. I mean, they paid for the study to be done. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if we had all of those records as well. I wanted to make sure. I'm not sure if we have those exact, for the record, Mary Dolan, functional planning and policy. I'm not sure we have those exact charts, but we have received uh, the data that WSSC has collected. So it would be nice to have a copy of the PowerPoint. Okay. Thank you. I can give it to you. Um, Ms. Wiss, my list says you're representing Audubon, but we also have somebody else no. representing the Audubon Naturalist Society. So. Oh, Ms. Sink, you, could you please put on your microphone? Sorry. I had sent in a corrected um, thing and because, uh. so, and I only had her down for three minutes. I was just identifying where she was coming from. I just had the speaker time for three minutes because she's okay. not representing. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I, I applied as an individual, so, and I've got my PowerPoint on this screen. Okay. Thank you. Um, good evening, Chair Carrier and Commissioners. My name is Kathy Wiss. Since 1997, I have monitored Ten Mile Creek. In April, I spoke to you about its high biological diversity and the effects of recent flooding. Tonight, I will talk about false assumptions underlying the claim that ESD practices will protect or enhance Ten Mile Creek. The draft plan puts too much faith in the promise that ESD devices will cure the effects of development. No studies have proven that ESD can prevent degradation of stream conditions or biology. This recently installed infiltration trench along Route 355 shows how an ESD device handles six-tenths of an inch shower. A torrent of water more than a foot deep flows down the trench and under the road. Across the road, water in another trench pours swiftly into a drain. The result is muddier, higher runoff that would occur in uh, than would occur in woods in good condition. A forest here would have reduced runoff by intercepting rainfall, slowing it down and absorbing it, and releasing water back into the air through evapotranspiration. The consultants used generic modeling to predict post-development stream conditions, even though actual data from the USGS stream gauge and DEP's two nearby rain gauges would have produced more accurate results. The consultants further underestimated peak flows because developers requested they would be reduced in the model. Yet rain and stream data show that peak flows in Ten Mile Creek are high and frequent. Ten Mile Creek is steeply sloped. In three miles, its elevation drops 300 feet, leading to rapid runoff. Data from these gauges also show that at Ten Mile Creek, storms of the same magnitude produce widely different amounts of runoff, contrary to the assumption in the Maryland Stormwater Design Manual that runoff will be similar. For instance, one-and-a-half-inch storms have produced peak discharges ranging from 102 to 697 cubic feet per second. Peaks from two-inch storms have ranged from 25 to 2,180 cubic feet per second. Uh, the chief reason appears that short, intense rains produce higher peak flows and steady, lighter rains of longer duration. Yet stormwater devices are best at handling steady inputs of rain. Under these circumstances, the efficacy of ESD practices is hard to predict. Finally, even if ESD devices were built to state and county standards for a one-year storm with a maximum infiltration rate of two inches per hour, we know that they could not have handled many of our recent storms. During the last few years, we've had three to four 10-year storms. 
three have exceeded the two-inch maximum rate of infiltration. Add to that the expectation that runoff volume and peak flow will increase with development despite the use of ESD devices, and you can only conclude that our last best creek, the county's reference stream, and Little Seneca Reservoir deserves better. Forest conservation to preserve the watershed, not buildings and pavement armored with ESD devices unable to handle many of our storms. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to call up Beth Daly and the representatives of the Livable Clarksburg Coalition. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The next one should be um, the Peterson Companies represented by Jody Klein and crew. I had an order and then it got messed up. I'll get back to you guys next, I promise. I'm sure we have a second to get started. We'll Please be quick. No, it's probably better to let the the representatives of the Peterson companies go, and then we'll have Miss Daly and the Livable Clarksburg Coalition. Are we about ready? <laughs> Tiffany, we need to start the clock, please. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Madam Chair, Vice Chair, and Planning Commissioners. My name is Taylor Chess. I'm the President of uh, Peterson Retail Division, and uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak tonight. I'd also like to take a moment to acknowledge and thank the members of the staff for their diligent work throughout the Master Plan Amendment process. Uh, with me, I have Chandra Bo um, Beaufort with uh, Soltes, who will be speaking about the zoning opinions uh, staff proposed in the limited master plan amendment, and Ms. Andy Murtha with Soltes, who will be speaking about the environmental issues of streamside property and the subwatershed LSTM 206. I'm here today to talk about our vision for streamside at Clarksburg. It's to be built on what's known as the Miles Copla property in subsection 206 of the 10 Mile Creek watershed and demonstrate to you why this project represents good development, environmental stewardship, and fulfills the original vision as defined by the 1994 master plan for Clarksburg. Streamside of Clarksburg will be a collection of specialty retail, um, outlet retail, dining, entertainment, hospitality, and residential strategically interconnected through pedestrian-friendly system of open space trails in the heart of Clarksburg. When we think about Clarksburg, it's important to circle back to 1994 master plan for guidance and direction. Let's move on. 
The plan is for a transit-oriented town center district, inclusive of a rejuvenated historic district. This foresight was the determining factor in our, de our decision to select this site. And we believe that the streamside development will be community building and complementary to both planned retail in Elm Street's town center, as well as enhance the historic district. In defining the vision for Streamside, we were driven by four key guidelines. To create diversity of uses, activities, and services. To reflect the lifestyle, quality, and sense of place that is the essence of Montgomery County. To preserve and enhance the natural beauty of this area through preserving a system of open space and pedestrian trails. And developing a style for the project that is the character of Clarksburg and today's modern lifestyle. Our team has been working diligently to design a project that seamlessly integrates that vision with some of the critical elements of the Clarksburg Master Plan and incorporates input from staff, residents, and business owners. The end result is a project that can deliver some essential needs for, the Clarksburg, for Clarksburg and the surrounding area. We can bring crucial public sewer infrastructure improvements to solve such long-term problems as failing septic systems in the historic area. And we can begin the implementation of Observation Drive or the historic bypass and future CCT, which will end at Clarksburg. And we can renovate and upgrade the existing stormwater management within the degraded portion of 10 Mile Creek Watershed LSTM 206. As proposed, Streamside will have great access to 270 and Maryland 121 at the extension of Observation Drive. After meeting with residents and hearing concerns, we adjusted our proposed transportation road network to accomplish the community's vision for a historic district bypass. In addition, the plans also include a place for the future CCT transit station on our Streamside property. We'll create new pedestrian bike paths, pedestrian and bicycle paths, which will connect the residential commercial uses of the historic district and the Clarksburg Transit Node, fulfilling the vision of the town center district, which is exactly the kind of community we have heard from residents and business owners say that they want in this area. Those community building efforts will complement the historic district and the Clarksburg Town Center, as well as support existing and future employment areas such as Gateway Commerce Center. Throughout our community outreach efforts, including um, hosting community meetings, participating in the Clarksburg Farmers Market, participating in Clarksburg Days, and other community building activities, we have heard the message the residents want a developer that is community-based. And we have a number of letters that we'll be submitting as well. We want to complement the town center neighborhood concept and create the overall town center district as envisioned in the 1994 master plan. In addition to diverse retail and dining options, Streamside will provi provide a robust calendar of events and activities that cater to the lifestyle of the community. Examples include Little Tots 
children's concert series such as we do at the Washingtonian Center, uh, just down in Gaithersburg, yoga, yoga in the park, and uh, seasonal uh, holiday events. Now I'd like to turn it over to um, Shanda uh, to talk about the zoning issues. Good evening and thank you. My name is Chanda Buford and I'm a project manager and registered landscape architect with Soltes. I have worked in the land development industry in Montgomery County for almost 15 years and have extensive knowledge interpreting and implementing the Montgomery County Zoning Ordinance. First, I would like to commend staff for recognizing that the CR zone can be a viable option for this property. A CR zone is, by definition, the best proposed zoning for the Streamside property to implement the vision of the Town Center District as described in the 1994 Master Plan. <clears throat> Section 59C, 15.2 of the Montgomery County Zoning Ordinance, Description and Objectives of the CR Zones states, the CR Zones permit a mix of residential and non-residential uses at varying densities and heights. The zones promote economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable development patterns where people can live, work and recreate and have access to services and amenities while minimizing the need for automobile use. Furthermore, the CR zone is appropriate where ecological impacts can be moderated by co-locating housing, jobs and services. Based on this definition, this is the vision of Streamside that Mr. Chess has put before you. Two options have been recommended by staff in the limited master plan amendment for the proposed zoning of the Streamside property. Option one is a balanced mixed-use development and has been defined by zoning of CR.5, C.25, R.25, and a height of 75 feet in the standard method of development. Option two is a mixed-use option with a residential focus as defined by Chapter 59 of the Montgomery County Zoning Ordinance Planning Board Draft it would be a townhouse floating zone, a TF zone, which is a new zone established by the zoning rewrite. The CR Euclidean zone, not a floating zone, is the most appropriate zoning for this property as it can implement both options listed above. In addition, it is essential that the property have the opportunity to develop under the optional method. The property should be afforded a density of 0.75 FAR optional method and not be limited to 0.5 FAR standard method as per option one, nor limited by a townhouse floating zone as per option two. A CR density of 0.75 FAR is preferred if the vision of the town center district is to be fully implemented. CR density of 0.75 FAR allows for the implementation of public benefits through the use of incentive density. It allows for more potential density to support future transit opportunities, and it can accommodate an increase in height up to 100 feet, which is necessary given the horizontal constraints that will be placed on this property. For example, the master plan 175-foot stream buffers and impervious caps. The town center district properties should be zoned as flexible as possible. The CR.75 FAR optional method development for Streamside can accommodate the environmental pedestrian, transit, and commercial residential opportunities that the town center district deserves. And now Andy will talk about the environmental issues of the Streamside property. 
ask you to turn off your mic. Hi, my name is Andy Martha, and I'm an environmental scientist with Soltes. I'm qualified as a certified wetland delineator, certified arborist, and State of Maryland Forest Conservation Act qualified professional. I spoke before you at the April planning board hearing for the 10 Mile Creek regarding the specific environmental conditions on the stream tried property that I've seen. Over the last year and a half, I have evaluated the existing conditions within sub-watershed LSTM 206. I have found that the conditions of the existing streams do not represent a high-quality reference stream. I also have reviewed the biological and scientific data available from Park and Planning and the county's Department of Environmental Protection. Their data indicates that the, stream, the streams within sub-watershed 206 and the streamside property are lower in quality than that of the overall 10 Mile Creek watershed. Existing conditions in sub-watershed 206 presently lack modern stormwater protections. 150 years of agricultural impacts and urbanization have modified the conditions within the property to such an extent that they should not be characterized as part of the last best stream in Montgomery County. Interstate 270 divides the degraded conditions found on the east side of the watershed from the ma remaining majority of 10 Mile Creek. Current conditions within all of the streams on the streamside property show evidence of moderate to extreme geomorphic and biological degradation. Debris and pollutants are choking habitats for sensitive plants and animals in first order streams. Evidence of excessive nutrient loading from unregulated runoff is apparent. The applicant's plan minimizes direct impacts to environmental features typically associated with new infrastructure. Master plan roads will use exi existing developed routes where available and avoid sensitive areas that were impacted per the 1994 master plan concept. Sanitary sewer extensions, which are de designed to include the historic district, will avoid highly sensitive areas on site and limit off-site footprints to existing developed ar areas which would be along the Maryland 121 existing road. The plan expands all forested buffers to the 175 master plan recommended width. Existing forest and new forest will envelop the entire stream system. Stormwater management practices and modern building techniques will implement the most up-to-date green technologies. Environmental site design is being implemented to the maximum extent practicable. The plan adheres to all current regulations put forth by county, state, and federal agencies. The limited master plan amendment will be recommending limits and minimums. The limited master plan should not include regulations for ephemeral or zero order streams as they are currently regulated by the Federal Clean Water Act and enforced by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the Maryland Department of the Environment. The definition of an ephemeral channel encompasses an array of features ranging from man-made concrete ditches to natural winding channels. Strict regulatory guidelines outlined in the Clean Water Act already exist. Ephemeral channels are evaluated by them on a case-by-case -case basis on their specific features. The inclusion of regulation of ephemeral or zero-order streams in this limited master plan is a redundant enforcement of the Federal Clean Water Act. Ephemeral regulation should echo existing federal guidelines. Um, Whereas the CR zone 0.75 FAR optional method of development, as described by Chanda, allows for incentive densities, um, which include protection of enhancement of the natural environment, specifically habitat preservation and restoration, the applicant should also receive an incentive of increased imperviousness for enhancements and improvements in areas of existing degradation. Impervious surface conditions within the sub-watershed 206 represent an urbanized condition commonly referred to as urban stream syndrome that lack modern stormwater management controls. 
the limited master plan amendment should follow the effective impervious area, the EIA cover model, in place of the total impervious area, TIA cover model, as defined and recommended by the Environmental Protection Agency for subwatershed 206. The EIA model is a commonly practiced method to quantify impervious percentages where an impervious cap, cover cap limits development for areas already impacted by urbanization. The strength of the EIA relationship suggests that stormwater management techniques aimed at disconnecting imperviousness areas from stream channels can improve urban water quality. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, very you very much. much. Does that complete your presentation? Yes, ma'am. 40 seconds to spare. <laughs> okay, now I'd like to call up Beth Daly and the Livable Clarksburg representatives. Ms. Daly, whenever you're ready. I understand that. Good evening. My name is Beth Daly, and I'm testifying on behalf of the Sugarloaf Citizens Association. Sugarloaf is a not-for-profit volunteer organization that has a 40-year history of work to preserve the agricultural tradition, environmental health, and viability of Montgomery County's Ag Reserve. With that mission in mind, I'm here today to register our concern over the public hearing draft of the 10 Mile Creek Area Limited Amendment. We appreciate the staff's hard work to reduce the development footprint, especially on the west side of 270, in order to mitigate degradation of the 10 Mile Creek. Unfortunately, though, the current proposal does not do enough to protect our critical drinking water supplies, both in Little Seneca Reservoir, as you've heard repeatedly, and in the Piedmont Sole Source Aquifer. The plan continues to call for exponentially increased pavement in two headwaters, the subwatersheds 110 and 111, critically endangering the creek. Um, basically what we ask is that the planning staff and board should make protection of our regional water supply its primary goal and not try to balance its protection with the interests of developers. As you heard so eloquently in the, um, the panel, not the last one, but the before that, uh, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Um, Ten Mile Creek is the uh, last clean tributary flowing into the Little Seneca Reservoir, the source of emergency drinking water for over 4.2 million residents in the metro region, including all the citizens of Montgomery County. The Little Seneca Creek and Cabin Branch tributaries to this reservoir have already been degraded. Actually, that was pointed out, too, um, by um, Soltes. Um, and they've been degraded by clearing and grading, active construction, post-construction stormwater runoff, bridge construction. All those were key factors contributing to steam quality decline. The resultant silt pollution of Little Seneca Reservoir is visible um, in the map that you saw earlier. Um, the muddiest Little Seneca and then the middle was the uh, cabin branch and I think that that picture um, really gave you an idea of um, how construction impacts the reservoir. Um, the, as you might know, just a couple weeks ago, the WSSC conducted a water supply release test from the Little Seneca Reservoir as part of their annual drought exercise. Um, this was done in 1999, 2002, and 2010, not as an exercise, but because our region was suffering from a drought. Um, and so that's something to bear in mind. 
In addition to the emergency water supply, 10 Mile Creek's watershed is a groundwater recharge area for the Piedmont Aquifer, which is the sole source of drinking water for residents in the Ag Reserve and elsewhere who get their water from underground wells. The increased imperviousness of roughly 100 acres of pavement in Stage 4 alone impacts the quality and quantity of the underground water. Um, this is from like heavy earth moving equipment that disrupts the bedrock, bedrock of the aquifer, fragmenting the fragile layers of, it, layers of it's called Imesville phyllite. I guess it's like phyllo dough, that's where the name comes from. Um, landscaping chemicals and road salts that seep into and through the pervious pavement and pollute. And then just the increased pavement causes the water to flow very quickly, which affects, it goes by so fast, it affects the ability um, to recharge the aquifer. As the council discussed in October 2012, which ultimately led to this uh, limited amendment discussion, it is imperative that a comprehensive study be completed by an independent hydrogeologist to analyze the impact all four stages of Clarksburg development has on the underground water supply especially given that Clarksburg development sits atop the Piedmont sole source aquifer and is adjacent to the Ag Reserve and other communities reliant on underground wells. It's just not worth the risk. Yes, um, Sugarloaf wants the walkable, livable Clarks community that Clarksburg re residents were promised and they deserve, as you'll hear. But this proposal for stage four is not the answer. If developed as planned, even with the staff report's reduction of total units from prior proposals, it would not contribute in any real way to density or to the pedestrian-friendly transit-based amenities that Clarksburg needs and, that, and form the basis for the 1994 vision. What is more important, building additional housing and outlet malls here in the sensitive watershed or saving the last best stream we have in Montgomery County that provides clean drinking water to millions? Um, to me, the answer is clear. We must be good stewards of our land and choose clean drinking water in order to secure our present and future quality of life. Thank you for your time and your service to our county. Thank you. Um, Ms. Hoffman, are you going first? Thank you. Yes. <coughs> Can you hear me? Yes, on behalf of the nearly 400 people uh, who have reached out to us to participate in the Livable Clarksburg Coalition, thank you for this opportunity to speak tonight. My name is Melaine Hoffman, and I've lived at 23801 Peachtree Road in Clarksburg for about 20 years. My husband and I participated in the master plan process in 92 and 93. I've been involved as a leader in the PTAs at Clarksburg Elementary, Rocky Hill Middle School, and Clarksburg High School, as well as in scouting and sports in Clarksburg for 15 years, and more recently was involved in creating um, our community's new Relay for Life. My name is Kathy Jewell. And I have lived in the Clarksburg community I think for you're almost. You're going to need to bring the microphone closer. Thank you. How's that? Uh, I have lived in the Clarksburg community for almost 30 years. I'm an MCPS teacher, and until 2008, ran the Kingsley Wilderness Project on the county site 30, which is now occupied by the jail. Kingsley was uh, MCPS uh, alternative program for students at risk of dropping out and getting in trouble with the law. Through their work in improving Black Hills and Little Bennett Parks and in monitoring the, waters, the uh, water quality of Ten Mile Creek, these disenfranchised youth took great pride in being the good stewards of Site 30, understanding that it encompassed the headwaters to a vital watershed and was the Greenway Corridor that linked the two parks ec ecologically. They provided data and testimony to the county that would call for mitigating environmental impact from the development encroached, encroaching both Little Bennett and Ten Mile Creek. But, more about that later. Good evening. Mike. My name is Sandy Hutto. 
I've lived at 22709 Timber Creek Lane in Clarksburg for over 14 years, and my children represent five generations born and raised in Montgomery County. My husband and I moved to Clarksburg with our young family specifically because the master plan promised the kind of community we wanted to live in to raise our three children. We are active investors in the greater Clarksburg community, volunteering on church boards in the PTAs at Clarksburg Elementary, Rocky Hill, High School Booster Club. And in 2006, my husband Kevin and I founded the Clarksburg Sports Association, a year-round recreation league with about 1,000 families registering annually for sports, summer camps, and clinics. We are three of the organizers of Liberal Clarksburg Coalition and formed, formed in March of this year, and we now have about 400 people who have opted in and communicate with us regularly, significantly more of an investment than uh, liking something on Facebook, I might add. Many people who wanted to speak tonight could not be here, so we have consolidated their opinions in our testimony. We appreciate that you have given us extra time to do this. We formed our group this spring as we witnessed the very one-sided propaganda campaign by developers who want fast-track approval to overwhelm us with stage four development. And they're co-opting a few others in Clarksburg as well who have financial gains at stake. We want to highlight six points tonight. First, the staff report, and in particular, one key assumption it makes. Second, the importance of town center to the people of Clarksburg and the need to do everything possible to make a new vibrant reality out of the vision from 1994. Third, traffic and transit. Oh, excuse me, that was third. Fourth, the importance of 10 Mile Creek and the Little Seneca Reservoir it feeds. Fifth, the difficult process we have all been engaged in as you have been bombarded by intense lobbying and disinformation from in developers whose interests and motives have nothing to do with the quality of life in Clarksburg. And lastly, what we specifically recommend and urge you to adopt. Before we jump into those topics, we want to note that the board has said you need to hear from the community. And in fact, we think you and believe that you have heard from our community. We know you have received well over 100 emails and letters from members of, the co of our coalition. These letters are not form letters, they're not petitions, they are not solicited by paid PR staff sitting at the farmer's market or going door to door. Each one is different and many of them state unique perspectives and interests. But there are a few points on which everyone agrees and we want a walkable family oriented connected community as envisioned in the master plan a village scale town center with a grocery store and small shops and relief from our ongoing traffic misery. When we started our coalition, many folks we talked to had just about given up on the county government and said it was hopeless because developers have co-opted the planning department. Why have people given up? When you, when you look at the history of Clarksburg, the answer is obvious, but now you have a chance to reverse the trend for the people of the Clarksburg area. And if you are not sure what the right thing is, then let us suggest that you follow the creed of the medical profession. First, do no harm. Do not take risks with our community. In making your decisions, we should assume these things. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. 
The current wave of developers will not do the right thing voluntarily, and they have no concern for what happens to Clarksburg in the long term after they are long gone, and maybe beyond the next five generations of my family. Our traffic is much worse and more dangerous than your mo modeling and random monitoring shows, and ridiculous promises should not be trusted. When a developer consultant says that the quality of 10 Mile Creek will actually be improved by massive development, just laugh <laughs> at the joke and move on. Let's turn to some specifics. Hi, I'm going to focus on the mistaken premise that threatens to undermine the solid analysis of the staff report regarding 10 Mile Creek and the reservoir in voids. We are encouraged by parts of the staff report from July, but concerned about other parts of it. The staff did a good job compi compiling evidence, data, and expert opinion, particularly on the controversial topic about, uh, of the appropriate use of the Environmental Site Design, or ESD. Unfortunately, when it came time for conclusions and recommendations, the staff report, uh, report shift, shifted gears and seemed to make the assumption that the degradation of the 10 Mile Creek and thus the re re reservoir is inevitable. The 1994 master plan did not say let's manage the damage to 10 Mile Creek in the future. It said let's reassess how to protect 10 Mile Creek. We have to ask ourselves how did this issue get turned upside down? It's because developers are pushing for maximum profit and pretending that the ESD features can protect the creek when every independent expert, including county employees, have told us that they can't. Your staff report recommends reducing the housing development proposed by the Pulte on the west side of 270 by about 75% to reduce the level of destruction to the 10 Mile Creek, but does not reduce the impervious footprint of the proposed development by the Peterson Company that will overwhelm the headwaters of the creek on the Miles Coppola property east of 270. It cannot possibly be good policy to save the creek with the left hand while the right hand is destroying it. We understand that the staff is under enormous pressure from all sides, but the fact is that when it comes to our experience at Clarksburg, the precedent for development has been first economic sustainability and then socio-political sustainability with little or to no regard to environmental sustainability. However, the truth is that there can be no sustainability without environmental sustainability. History tells us if we do not pay it forward now, we will, with, with sound, sustainable ecological practice, we will pay dearly later. We simply can't afford to do this anymore. You, the county planners, have the opportunity to do the right thing, set the example, make your mark in history by acting with the bigger picture in mind and promoting sound environmental, economic, and social political sustainability as a whole. We urge you to build on the staff analysis and follow the facts where they lead. You have a chance to achieve two paramount goals. The protection, uh, protect the framework for a successful Clarksburg Town Center and protect the irreplaceable resource, 10 Mile Creek Watershed. The staff report started down the right path but ended up with uh, huge compromises to the detriment of both Town Center and the 10 Mile Creek Watershed. Um, you are hearing from many today about the importance of 10 Mile Creek and the risk, that the uh, risk to the creek of the Pulte and Peterson developments were allowed to proceed as proposed. We'll not repeat that, but we'd like to stress three things. 
First, it is simply not credible to continue any pretense that a patchwork of ESDs features can guarantee to protect a network of fragile streams uh, tributaries in such sloping and rugged topography. Please recall in 1993, the planning board correctly understood that five acre density with no sewer in the 10 Mile Creek area made sense. The county council overruled them and greatly increased the potential density for stage four, but had the good sense to leave the door open for future study. We ask you now to do the right thing for the future of our county and remind the council that in 1993, the planning board was correct. In, in, and in 1994, the council got it wrong. Tell the county council the facts they need to hear to make it right this time. Second, it is absolutely necessary to reduce the impervious, uh, impervious surface on the Pulte development as the staff has recommended, but it is equally important and necessary to reduce the impervious surface on the Peterson development. Again, follow the science. Your staff reports, consultant reports, and independent study, studies all show that any development will degrade the t uh, 10 Mile Creek. And third, and perhaps most important, is why uh, are we even talking about or considering or the risk to the reservoir? Why has this whole process virtually ignored the vast importance of this region's uh, resource? It is not the purpose of the master plan to ignore all the impacts outside the line. Um, it is not the purpose of the master plan to ignore all impacts outside a line arbitrarily on a map, but that is exactly what has happened for the past year. That has got to stop. We therefore want to support and, strong, and strongly, as strongly as possible the testimony from the former county council member John Menke and Scott Fossler about the origins and importance of the reservoir. And I personally would like to ask you to pick up where those Kingsley students left off as good stewards of a pristine watershed from the headwaters through the Tribs and to the reservoir. Thank you. I'm going to focus on town center and traffic and transit briefly, I promise. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to belabor the history of Town Center and the, uh, the last decade. We want to focus now on where we are and go forward constructively. We seem to be emerging from a recession so that development of a profitable Town Center may be feasible once again. We have an interested developer who's currently working with the planning department on a proposed plan. We have every reason to be optimistic that Town Center will come together in the near future. However, planning board actions regarding stage four have the potential to throw serious roadblocks in the way. A prime example is the proposed retail outlet mall on the Miles Coppola property. It would be a regional retail mall that has nothing to do with supporting a town center that's supposed to be walkable. It's a destination mall whose very survival will depend on bringing enormous amount of tra traffic from outside of Clarksburg every day into Clarksburg. It would turn 355 and 121 into even greater traffic disasters, particularly on weekends. And even if Observation Drive extended actually happens in our lifetime, which is not a sure thing, this mall would still turn our community into a sprawling, strung out miniature version of Leesburg, complete with the kind of traffic you see every day on Route 7 and Route 15 in Leesburg. It would be far enough from town center that it's not really walkable with shopping bags, even if they move that uh, entrance a little bit further south. So let's stop pretending that that's a credible argument. It's about a regional mall. It's not about Clarksburg Town Center. Clarksburg would be much better off with mixed-use development on that parcel that's low density, but might create, create uh, some higher skill and higher wage jobs. And if you really want to think about your worst nightmare, 
think about it's it's not if town center gets delayed that's already happened think about if town center gets built but it's undercut so it's of lesser quality and it never really hangs together as the e economic and vibrant town center where people gather and um, have a, a center of a town life that's a tragedy that you can prevent so let's boil this down we've got to keep the focus on the walkable town center and stop acting like things far away are going to contribute to that. Um, the historic district is going to get its sewer anyway, no matter what's built on the Miles Coppola property. So let's see an appropriate development on the Miles Coppola property. We want to say that we're not opposed to any and all development on the Miles Coppola property. We, we realize that's obviously got to happen, but it would be feasible to allow office space and residential use that can minimize the footprint. It's uh, much more likely that that kind of building can go up. It doesn't have to go flat and sideways like a, an outlet mall. Traffic, too much and transit, too little. The staff report expresses doubt that traffic is a serious problem in Clarksburg. Is there anybody who wants to disagree with that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't know what traveling model, uh, modeling thresholds they used. But anyone who spends any time in Clarksburg area knows that traffic not only takes additional hours and days off a person's life, but it's really dangerous. The only alternative now uh, is one local ride-on bus that only goes as far as Germantown. The 1994 master plan, remember, said transit is an, official, an essential feature of this plan. Without it, the plan's vision cannot be realized. We may eventually get an express bus to Shady Grove as a Band-Aid, um, but we all know that transit is really far down the road and it's not even funded yet. So current proposals have it even stopping short of town center. So let's stop uh, pretending like that shortfall in transit doesn't change things. Indeed, it changes everything. Let's do what we can with express buses and ride-on buses. But if the transit vision of 94 cannot be fully realized, then the plan for density itself shouldn't be fully realized. And some would say, well, it's a chicken and egg thing. First you have to have the housing and then you have the transit. But the transit was planned based on earlier stages and not on these last two housing developments. So the planning board needs to speak the plain truth to the county council on this critical fact. So let me just summarize our specific recommendations clearly. Any further development should only be approved with more specific staging tied to milestones for traffic mitigation and road and interchange improvements and or transit. The Miles Coppola property should not be planned or zoned to permit a retail outlet mall. The staff recommendations for the Pulte development were correct and should not be diluted. And however inconvenient it may be, you all have become stewards of the reservoir. That isn't where the process started, but that's where it arrived. Before concluding, we want to pause and just may, uh, say something that is obvious, but it's rarely discussed. The people of Clarksburg do not trust their government to do the right thing. Most of our neighbors have no faith in the normal process of civic engagement. The Clarksburg Civic Association, the few people who remain involved in that, have, re have remained silent on the issues of stage four. A new chamber of commerce was formed recently. It's controlled by a handful of people who own property in the historic district. 
because the original Chamber of Commerce lost steam after years of frustration and never getting critical mass. And to add to that complexity, you have the impacts of this will reach far outside of town center into Boyd's and Hyattstown and even areas of Dickerson. Now that's messy, but it's true. So I guess you could just say to our disconnected community, get together and try harder. But when you consider the disinformation that Pulte and Peterson's PR machines have been pumping into our community, the cynicism is understandable. The amount of money and the claims make you wonder, can their proposals not be approved on their own merits? I could give you numerous examples, but I'm just going to give you one. A neighbor called me one Sunday afternoon and said that someone from Pulte was going door to door with an iPad saying that if you sign this online petition to support the Ten Mile Creek development, you'll get the library and the grocery center in town center. Now, we all know that town center was conceived well before stage four and that those plans have nothing to do with the Pulte development. But that's the kind of information that's been spread every Sunday morning at the farmer's markets and in glossy mailings and in emails. So we just ask that you don't let that kind of dealing prevail in our county and determine the future of Clarksburg or speak for you. So in conclusion, we just want to thank you for this time. We acknowledge the significant portion of our quality of life rests with this decision. A lot of the landowners are talking about their rights to develop, but it's really our quality of life day to day. And uh, for Clarksburg to become whole and healthy and vibrant, a lot of good things have to happen. And you control some of those, but not all of them. And you have the potential to do great good for us, but also the potential to do great harm to our community. So we know that you don't want to be remembered as <laughs> the planning board who undercut the town center and increased our traffic problems and threw the reservoir under the bus. So thank you very much for your time. Okay, um, I think we'll take a little five-minute break, and then we'll come right back.
Okay, folks, we're going to get started. Amy. I need the conversations to move outside or quiet down. Donnie Gross, Steve Robbins. Now, you looked like you were coming up with several people, just the two of you. I am. Just I don't know how many chairs you're going to occupy, so I know how many other people I can call. Okay. Is that Ron Kaplan? Okay, well, he's listed. All right, Jonathan Sachs and Dave Weitzer. He waited until after the break. Well, he had got a pass. I know, I know, I know. I told him. He has dispensation like you get from the Yeah, that's right. Okay, Mr. Gross? That's it? Okay, thank you. Uh, good evening, Planning Board Chair Carrier and members of the board. My name is Donnie Gross, and I'm the managing member of Potomac Holdings, LLC the owner of 3.3 acres located on the northwest quadrant of Maryland Route 355 and Stringtown Road. The property is located within the Clarksburg Historic District and presently is zoned R200, which is a one-family residential. We support the limited amendments recommendation to rezone the property to CRN designation. We have owned the property for approximately eight years and have not been able to redevelop the property under the existing residential zoning designation. Given the location of the property at this very important and highly traveled intersection, basically Maine and Maine of Clarksburg, we routinely have questioned the recommendation that has left the zoning for the property at R200. It is highly unlikely that R200 product will ever be developed at this location. Over the years, we have attempted to attract special exception users for this property. Again, we have not been successful given the significant restrictions on special exception users. Predominantly, commercial development is what should occur at this property. The draft plan, page 23, indicates that Maryland Route 355 and Stringtown Road have the highest combination of retail uses with highest traffic generation rates. As a sidebar, Potomac Holdings also developed the shopping center along the east side of Stringtown Road, North 355. I like to say the only retail development that Clarksburg has seen. Also, presently, stated, we support the CRN zoning designation. The plan proposes CRN 0.25, C.25, R.25, and H35. We would ask the board to consider a somewhat greater FAR at this location, perhaps a CRN or CRT zone at a FAR of 0.5. This would allow for a greater development opportunity, perhaps a mixed use in nature. 
Given the location and the size of the property, and given that the majority of the property fronts Stringtown Road and not 355, this change in zoning appears to be reasonable and consistent with the goals and objectives of the plan. This change in zoning would provide for a reasonable opportunity to attract commercial development on the property where commercial development should be the preferred use. Thank you very much for your time and consideration of our position. Thank you. Mr. Robbins. Good evening, Chair Carrier and members of the Planning Board. My name is Stephen Robbins, and I'm with the law firm of Lurch, Early & Brewer. I'm here this evening on behalf of Cabin Branch Commons, the owner of property in, Cab in the Cabin Branch neighborhood on the west side of I-270, south of Clarksburg Road, MD-121. Cabin Branch Commons and other parties want to develop a specialty retail premium outlet center on a portion of the Cabin Branch property. We are in the midst of a de development plan amendment, which this board, as you know, supported. We did not intend to testify at this hearing. However, as part of the hearing examiner's proceeding for this project, the Peterson Companies is actively participating in opposition to our development proposal. Among other things, they are contending that the outlet or specialty retail services at Cabin Branch would conflict with the master plan goals for Clarksburg and would somehow harm the town center. Inconsistently, they now are seeking your support for a competing project on a site that they are considering purchasing and argue that such uses actually would be good for Clarksburg. Based on this inconsistency and on representations that have been made by the Peterson team that contradict testimony of record, we felt the need to point this out to the planning board. <clears throat> for example, in an effort to apparently garner support for their proposal, company representatives recently told the community that an outlet mall on the Miles Coppola property would be under construction by summer of 2014 in anticipation of a 2015 opening. This representation was made with the understanding that the draft master plan amendment is considering two options, only one of which would allow the outlet mall. From a timing standpoint, no matter which of these options is chosen, it is our understanding that any master plan amendment and sectional map amendment would not be completed until sometime in late spring 2014. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as the hearing examiner's uh, hearing on the Cabin Branch DPA, the Peterson Company's civil engineer agreed that the following would need to be accomplished before such construction could actually occur. Things like approval of the master plan and rezoning of the property, water quality plans and special protection approvals, sewer category changes, subdivision approval including traffic and APFO approvals, site plan approvals, record plat, road sewer design and construction, and of course building per permit plans and approvals. The civil engineer agreed that these processes could take many years to complete and much longer than a 2014 construction start date. This is a far cry from the community's desire to see retail uses like those proposed in the Cabin Branch TPA come to fruition in the near future. It simply is an impossibility to suggest that construction of such a major project with no zoning or development approvals in place today would commence in less than one year. It also has become clear that support garnered for the project from a few property owners located in the historic district is based on some sort of promise that public sewer will be extended, either cost-free or to substantially reduce cost. We are not aware of any plans that have actually been approved for such extensions. What we do know is that the sewer service to the Miles Coppola site would happen under either development scenario, scenario not just an outlet center. 
In closing, we urge the Planning Board to carefully review the proposal for the Miles Coppola property and to challenge the various propositions and representations that have been made in an effort to advance its proposal to the detriment of the development proposed in Cabin Branch. Thank you for your time. Mr. Kaplan. Good evening. My name is Ron Kaplan of Streetscape Partners, and I'm one of the developers of the Clarksburg Premium Outlets at Cabin Branch. I want to thank each of you for your support of our Cabin Branch Development Plan Amendment. Park and planning staff and your unanimous vote are critical elements in helping to assure that the Clarksburg Master Plan goals and objectives will be fulfilled with an outlet center on Cabin Branch. Our project will be a catalyst for additional employment and improve the attractiveness of Cabin Branch as a 21st century employment center. Without the Clarksburg Premium Outlets, the 2.4 million square feet of potential development will remain vacant land, unbuilt for a very long time. A few other key points. As you know, we have many years of approvals already in place, including stormwater management, forest conservation, traffic mitigation, and the list goes on and on. And we do not impact 10 Mile Creek. We also create over 1,500 full-time jobs for the citizens, not to mention hundreds of ancillary and indirect jobs in the area. Most importantly, the residents of Clarksburg are eager for the <coughs> restaurants and amenities we will create. Since we last spoke with you, when we had 100 individually written, non-form letters of support, we now have almost 200 letters of support. Frankly, the community support has been overwhelming, somewhat the opposite reaction that Peterson has received tonight. And I might add that Melaine Hoffman, whom you just heard from and is co-founder of Livable Clarksburg, has been one of many vocal supporters eager for our type of conscientious development. Importantly, the argument from Peterson that we are not good for the retail development by Elm Street of Town Center is completely false. None other than Dave Flanagan, the owner of Elm Street and developer of Town Center, fully supports our project, has submitted written testimony to that effect, and further believes it will accelerate the development of the restaurants and retail at Town Center. Sadly, I do need to make you aware of an unfortunate situation. With no regard for the betterment of Clarksburg, the Peterson Companies is vigorously opposing park and planning staff. They are vigorously opposing your votes and our worthwhile development at the zoning hearing examiner. They do so while simultaneously making several truly outrageous claims to the community. First, they allege they will be open for business in 2015, despite that they're not zoned, nor have they filed any okay, of the- we already heard this from Mr. Robbins, plus it has nothing to do with the master plan. I, I got to ask why you're testifying about that mess here. About the streamside development? What they're saying to the hearing examiner, um, it's nothing I'm, that I'm, the planning board is going to get involved in. I'm testifying what they're saying to the community. I, I fail to see how that has any relevance to our votes on this master plan. Do you have any other topics you wish to address, Mr. Kaplan? I've had mine, so. 
Okay. I guess not. Mr. Sachs. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, for the record, <laughs> there we go. For the record, I'm Jonathan Sachs, Director of Public Policy and Community Engagement for Adventist Healthcare. Uh, I first want to thank you for your unanimous support in July for the development plan amendment that will allow outlet retail to be constructed within the mixed-use employment portion of the Cabin Branch project. As we testified then, this is very important to us given the inability to build a hospital and nursing home on the site. The mixed-use retail employment will serve as a catalyst to make the desired mix of employment use a reality. At the same time, it will address the restaurant and retail demands of Clarksburg and the upper county in a very short time frame given its advanced development approval stage. Um, you heard from uh, some of our partners uh, who are working on this as well, Ron and Steve. Um, I just wanted to make one uh, extra quick point that the community observed that the Cabin Branch project is not, as you said, within 10 Mile Creek, so there are no 10 Mile Creek water quality issues tied to it. Um, and I think the community has observed uh, support for this project, its importance to Adventist healthcare. I just wanted to say thank you. Okay, Mr. Weitzer. Good evening. My name is David Weitzer. I live at 14705 Sugarland Road, Poolsville, Maryland. I am chairman of the Montgomery County Ag Advisory Committee, and I'm here to testify on behalf of that committee. During the August 20th meeting of that committee, we discussed the staff recommendations on the Clarksburg Limited Master Plan Amendment for 10 Mile Creek Watershed. There are several policy issues that this limited amendment will have on the agricultural community that need to be taken into consideration. From 1992 to 1994, the agricultural community worked extensively on recommendations for the Clarksburg Master Plan because this planning area represented the best opportunity to address the commitment made to farmers dating back to 1980 when the Ag Reserve Master Plan was adopted. Over and over again, ever since the 1980 Master Plan was adopted, the agricultural community has been promised that the Clarksburg Master Plan would provide the transferable development rights, receiving capacity needed to balance TDR supply and demand. 19 years after the Clarksburg Master Plan and sectional zoning map amendments were approved, this commitment and question of TDR receiving area capacity in Clarksburg has come back for reconsideration. The agricultural community is frustrated by the environment, and today we are reminding you of the commitment you made to our farmers in 1980. We also understand the frustration from developers and building industry regarding the impact this limited amendment will have on their properties. The Agriculture Advisory Committee is concerned that future developers will choose the standard method of development rather than the optional method for using TDRs due to policy decisions that result in diminished capacity or disincentive for use of these TDRs. The analysis of TDR receiving capacity completed by staff in 2008 found that TDRs have been utilized in receiving TDR zones at a 58% use rate. The analysis of 
the, with this finding in mind, the Agricultural Advisory Committee recommends that new TDR receiving areas need to be approved at a ratio of two to one, meaning that for each TDR remaining in the sending area for transfer there would be two DDRs receiving sites. The Agriculture Advisory Committee understands the environmental importance of the 10 Mile Creek watershed and we encourage development that would not threaten this environmental resource. The 1994 Clarksburg Master Plan recommended total capacity to 2,184 TDRs, and this limited amendment reduced this TDR capacity associated with Pulte and King properties that are currently zoned RE1 slash TDR. This action will adversely affect the imbalance of TDR supply and demand and create need to find alternative sites to accommodate TDRs. The limited amendment recommends the development footprint and densities zones be reduced on the Pulte and King properties. The amendment recommends retaining TDRs and its important policy support agriculture by proposing a change from RE1 slash TDR zones to RNC slash TDR. This recommendation for RNC slash TDR zone is similar to recommendations in the western portion of the Damascus Master Plan. Because of the continuing imbalance of TDR supplies and demand over many years, our committee respectfully requests the planning board to remind the county council during the work sessions on the master plan amendment on the new proposed uses for TDR that you recommend as part of the zoning ordinance revision. The Agriculture Advisory Committee is encouraged by the recommendations from the planning board to the new uses at TDRs for mixed-use zones, where one TDR can equal to 3,500 square feet of mixed-use space. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much. I'd like to call up Mike McCain, Robert Shapiro, Witt Cobb, Betty Buffington, and Joanne Woodson. like somebody didn't make it. Is Mr. McCain here? How about Mr. Shapiro? You're up. Have a seat. Do you mind if I stand? I can speak loud enough. It's no, you'd, you'd have to hold a mic. Right over there, there's a freestanding mic. Is that okay? Yes. No dancing, though. No dancing. That would be bad. There's a little switch, and it takes a minute to activate. There you go. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, Vice Chair, uh, Board and Council members. I appreciate your efforts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I've never done this. This is my first meeting of this type. My head is going to fall off. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
which is good, good. I've heard a lot of commentary from both sides, and I well understand the issues. I have some short comments. I'll make this quick. Um, and I certainly appreciate your consideration. Uh, my name is Rob Shapiro. If, I'll refer to my notes on occasion, if you don't mind. Um, my name is Rob Shapiro. I live in Clarksburg, and I bought a house up there in 2004. And frankly, I, I liked it a lot, and I, I actually own two homes up there. One, just in case my wife gets angry, I have to stay somewhere else. That's a joke. It's serious in here, so some of the stuff I have to say is, is not all the numbers and letters and all that XYZ stuff. I represent thousands thousands of neighbors and community members in Clarksburg, thousands. I've been involved as a past president of my homeowners association. I'm a board member at the elementary school where I have two children, one in uh, third grade, one's in first grade. Um, and we like living there, but we were under the assumption that First of all, raise your hand if you've seen those commercials on TV for the villages. You only have a minute and 26 seconds left. That's fine. I'll, I'll get through. Raise your hand. You've seen the commercials for the villages. Everybody. You don't live under a rock. They've been on TV. These people bought into a community there because they have a master plan. They, they have stuff there. They have amenities. They have an infrastructure. Clarksburg, after 10 years, has essentially nothing. You tell people that you live in Clarksburg, and they'll say, oh, my, I feel sorry for you. What's the point? So it is clearly, and I, I agree that we don't want to dissolve or destroy this 10-mile creek. I, we want to protect it just as much as anybody else. And Clarksburg is not the antithesis that that development is going to destroy the population of Montgomery County, that that's it. Clarksburg is the pinnacle of, of the civilization in the rest of Montgomery County. I quite don't think so. Clarksburg deserves what it was told that it was going to get. There are thousands of people up there that have been waiting for an infrastructure to come and support the community of people that live there. The, the population in Clarksburg since around 2000 has grown around 650%. While the people live there and commute there, there's no infrastructure, there's no economy, there's no shops. There's no jobs, there's no entertainment, there's no recreation. Here's a list of groups and organizations in Clarksburg. There's seven. Seven. Our neighbors to the south, Germantown and, uh, 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 Germantown and Gaithersburg, have 2,500 groups and organizations. Mr. Shapiro, I'm very sorry because you're so lively and entertaining, but your time is up. I, I appreciate that. Thank well, you for your, your time and consideration. Let's see if Clarksburg can get what it's due without too much pushing around. We've been waiting a long time. Mr. Cobb, can you turn on your microphone, please? There we go. Thanks. Good evening, Madam Chair and members of the Planning Board. Uh, my name is Whit Cobb. I uh, wanted to thank you for providing me the opportunity to provide. No one can hear you. Can you pull the microphone closer, please? Oh, certainly. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to provide my perspective on and concerns about the staff draft. My wife and I own a historically protected commercial property, the Gardner House, uh, at 23330 Frederick Road in Clarksburg. The Gardner House currently houses a bookstore and some offices. It's located within the historic district, which, as you know, the master plan designates as a focal point of the town center and, and Clarksburg as a whole. 
While the staff draft makes a number of useful recommendations, I'm concerned that it addresses issues that are beyond the scope of the county council's request. Um, and it also makes some recommendations that I think are detrimental to the Clarksburg Historic District as well as to Greater Clarksburg. Many people have bought into the vision of the master plan, and given time, it can create a great community. Uh, the master plan's concept of a vibrant historic district and town center should be preserved. Uh, it's important to note that, according to the master plan, the town center is an area of 635 acres that includes the historic district, the potential Elm Street uh, neighborhood retail area, east of the historic district, and the area between the historic district and Interstate 270. Although some speakers have equated the town center to the Elm Street neighborhood retail center, it's actually a much larger area that includes the historic district. The key concerns that I have with the staff draft relate to both the Gardner House in particular and to the historic district uh, and stage four more generally. First of all, it downzones the Gardner House uh, to a zoning designed for neighborhoods with minimal uh, density. I think the proposed uh, limitations on imperviousness will have a harmful economic effect on Clarksburg without a clear environmental benefit. And contrary to the clearly expressed and fully articulated vision of the master plan, the staff draft moves the transit stop to the northern edge of the historic district. And finally, I, I think that providing public sewer service to the historic district should be a clearly stated non-contingent priority. Uh, the staff draft correctly recognizes the need for more flexible zoning in the historic district. However, its proposed change to the zoning for the Gardner House will be detrimental. Um, indeed, it's inconsistent with the explicit intent of the County Council in requesting the limited master plan amendment. The October 8, 2012 staff report to the Council states in bolded language, the intent would be to consider changes that would support the successful development of Town Center with caveats that the master plan would not lower any densities in Town Center but could consider increases. Um, instead, the staff draft recommends downzoning the Gardner House, which is within the town center, from convenience retail that has no density limitation to a neighborhood type zoning with a minimum permitted density far of uh, 0.25. And that, that sound said that your time is up too. Oh, I understood I had five minutes as an affected property owner. You know, for master plans, property owners only get three minutes. Organizations get five. There, oh. it, this is a common misconception. Oh, I'm sorry. Because otherwise, there would be five. potentially hundreds of affected property owners um, who would all get five minutes. Oh, I was told by your staff that I had five minutes, but I understand that. I know we have a lot of folks. I guess I will have to have some conversations then with my staff. Um, um, but why don't can you summarize real quick since you were given misinformation? Sure. Um, well, I appreciate the work of the planning board staff in preparing the draft and in recognizing the need for more flexible zoning in the historic district. My strong recommendation is to focus on zoning classifications as well as modern environmental techniques to the town center, including the historic district, to function as they were really uh, intended in the master plan, and dramatically reducing the density and imperviousness in stage four will harm the vitality of the historic district and the town center as a whole. Thank you for considering my views. Okay, Ms. Buffington. Good evening. Um, board members. Could you turn on your microphone, please? Oh. Okay, that helps. Good evening, board members. Uh, my name is Betty Buffington, and you've seen me here before. Some of you have. Uh, um, I'm a local resident of, Clark, of the area and co-owner of the Clarksburg Crossing building that's located in the town center in the historic district of Clarksburg. 
Um, the current master plan sets out a, a very well thought out and positive vision for Clarksburg, contrary to some of the other speakers we've heard. Um, in 2006, my husband, Dr. Joe Buffington, and I purchased a vacant lot on Route 355 in order to build a building for our, rest, uh, for our real estate company. Uh, we worked diligently for six years to get that opened. Um, we worked with the Historic Commission, and um, it, after like five years, we were uh, approved by acclamation in the Historic District, so our building was well approved. Um, we have strong concern about the staff draft and its impact on Clarksburg for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons that we uh, object to it is the limitation of the housing that is to be proposed by the Pulte Company. We were to have about 1,000 homes, and now it's being cut back to 200 homes. And that is going to affect um, the business that we have. We have a Bennigan's restaurant, which we opened, because the community came to us and said they wanted a sit-down restaurant. So we provided that for them. and. Um, along with our real estate company. But when you cut 800 homes out of the, the equation, it really makes it tough to, to do business. So um, we really want to express our opinion on that particular thing. Um, secondly, I agree with Mr. Cobb on the limitations of the density and the um, CRN zoning in the historic district. I think that it should have a bigger, uh, higher FAR. Our FAR is 0.34, the, FA, the uh, CRN FAR is 0.25. It's not really adequate to develop a business in that. And third, the uh, staff proposes moving the transit stop from Red Creek uh, Place to north of Clarksburg, and I think this is going to be detrimental to the historic district because it was supposed to bring people into the historic district, and now it will be on the fringes and it will also hurt traffic. And lastly, I want to say that we should have, we do need um, sewer in the center of Clarksburg, and the one developer that can bring that is the Peterson Company. If they develop their outlet malls in the town center, it would make it a walkable community and keep it a walkable community. So that's really basically what I had to say, and I have four seconds left, and I'm done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Woodson? Good evening, everyone. I am Joanne Snowden Woodson, a fourth-generation Clarksburg descendant who has lived in Clarksburg for 61 of my adult years as a homeowner. Having lived here this long, I have seen our town change from beautiful rolling hills and tall trees to nothing but streets and rooftops. Our natural beauty and history is fast disappearing. I realize we are becoming the last corridor city in Montgomery County. I know this because I was a member of the Clarksburg Master Plan and Hightstown Special Study Area Citizens Advisory Committee. This group was very proud to be selected to give input to the National Capital Park and Planning Commission and the County Council regarding plans that looked ahead 20 years. Approximately 30 meetings were held to provide points of reference to public policies and direction. We did not take this task lightly. Our visions and concerns were mainly about the following. Scale of development, natural environment, roads and streets, a full town center, well-constructed neighborhoods, <clears throat> 
Throughout the years, my family and other longtime residents have watched and listened as our county council and other overseers have changed their direction and their responsibility in making sure that the master plan recommendations and policies are followed. This should have been done with the community to guide the growth of Clarksburg from a rural settlement to a pedestrian-oriented town with a viable town center connecting it to the historic district. Our historic district still here and so badly needs help from the county to bring sewer sidewalks to the founding portion of this town with such a rich history. Now, for the 10 Mile Creek area, we are at the crossroads wondering whom should we trust to make the right decisions for this environmentally sensitive area. I would assume that everyone involved would have the best interest in trying to protect the 10 Mile Creek watershed. Our state and local laws are qualified experts on environmental issues, need to come together as a team to protect the watershed and also guide the developers in accomplishing their plans without destroying the master plan and other guiding principles. We have come this far by faith and hope. However, over 20 years is too long to keep changing course and continually having doubts. Clarksburg's future needs to start making successful progress, just as our ancestors did for us, a town with a rich, livable history. Balancing environment and development, the master plan is our guide to better living for all. So why not follow it for what it's worth? Things are not always perfect, but there must be compatible support by interested parties for things to work. Ms. There Woodson, are enough. I'm afraid your time's up. Is the gist of it that you like the plan the way it is? Pardon? Is the gist of your testimony that you like the plan the way it is? I would like to see the master plan stay as it is. Thank you. Okay. I'd like to call up Kenneth Bauer, Jennifer Russell, Diane Cameron, Caroline Taylor, and Patrick Darby. computer out of the way? Yes, we, we move. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Bauer, are you ready? Yes. Go right ahead. Good evening, Madam Chair and members of the Planning Board. I'm Kenneth Bauer with the Maryland Native Plant Society. We have a large number of members who live in Montgomery County. And our president, Kirsten Johnson, was just appointed chair of Governor O'Malley's Maryland Botanical Heritage Work Group, which reports to the, to, to the governor on native plant conservation. And unlike a previous presenter, I'm not going to accuse the board or staff of violating any laws or the US Constitution. And we, we say that Montgomery County is primarily known for, for the quality of life not the number of new Pulte homes. 
John Muir said nothing, nothing tolerable is safe, and that is certainly true of the Ten Mile Creek watershed. Our drinking water supply is endangered because, not surprisingly, the developers are trying to maximize their investment in the land they purchased. The question before you is, what is more important, clean water for 4 million people or profits for developers? You know the science. The science says that any development in a 10-mile creek watershed will pollute Little Seneca Reservoir. You know that every stream in Montgomery County has been degraded by overdevelopment, except one, 10-mile creek. Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. If development is allowed in the 10-mile creek watershed, do we really expect a different outcome this time? After every stream in the county except one has been polluted by overdevelopment, the developers tell us this time will be different. For the first time in history, we finally know what we're doing. Trust us, they say. This time, for the first time in history, our engineers and paid consultants have finally come up with an ESD solution that will work. Trust us, they say. This time we can do all our construction and not pollute the drinking water for four million people. Trust us, they say. The developers would like you to ignore the inconvenient truths presented by those of us who don't stand to make any money from your decision. Those of us who care about clean drinking water, quality of life, and healthy ecosystems. The developers, the, the, the developers say, we the developers who stand to make millions from your decision are the only ones you should trust. Only we, the developers, are acting as honest brokers of the facts, even though we stand to reap huge financial rewards, if you believe us. Trust us, they say. We suggest that it is not radical or unreasonable for concerned citizens to say, maybe it's not a good idea to trust the developers who have millions of dollars at stake. That's not being a so-called fear monger, as was previously stated. We concerned citizens say, this time, the board should listen to the science and not the promises of developers. This time, we simply can't afford to simply trust the developers and their paid environmental consultants. This time, development should only be allowed where it makes sense. This time, the board should value the drinking water quality of four million citizens over corporate profits. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that time is always right to do what's right. This time, you need to do what's right. Thank you for your time and attention. Thank you, Mr. Bauer. Ms. Russell? Mom, we don't have time for applause, folks. Good evening. I'm Jennifer Russell, principal at Rogers Consulting. I'm testifying tonight as an individual with respect to the 10 Mile Creek Area Limited Amendment to the Clarksburg Master Plan. I urge you to focus your attention on the pressing needs of this community, which has endured land use trauma at best over the past 10 years. In 2006, when I was appointed as Montgomery County's first Clarksburg Ombudsman, the most frequent complaint I heard from its citizens was, I don't want to have to go to Milestone to shop. Today, that same question plagues the average Clarksburg resident who has not yet given up and moved out while waiting for their town to evolve. Finally, local retails come at last to Clarksburg Village with the town center anticipated in the nearer term. Equally important, Kevin Branch is poised to deliver major specialty retail very soon. These projects retain the 1994 master plan vision, which despite its age, proposes a well-defined town that provides jobs, homes, and most importantly for, day, for today, sorely lacking commercial activities. The key is to provide this long-suffering community with some element of certainty upon which they can finally rely. In terms of reliance and the sanctity of the master plan process, 
it's important to recall how vital the implementation strategies that were crafted for the 94 plan were as part of the document. You've been reminded of that several times this evening. The original staging component was almost legendary in its unique effort to hold the growth process accountable to the developers, the government, and the community following the long decision-making process that characterized the plan's compromise adoption. The promise elicited spoke to Stage 3's orderly completion before efforts began in the more fragile Stage 4 of the 10 Mile Creek watershed. That studied approach still makes sense today with the opportunity to complete Stage 3 successfully with ca the Cabin Branch Retail and Employment component. Additionally, the ability to comport with the environmental regulations in Stage 3 will be easier given its location and the status of its approvals. This allows the community to begin to see a light at the end of a very long tunnel that has had them waiting for years to see any project come to fruition. The 1994 master plan treated the Moscopola pro property well, proposing rezoning to the MXPD, permitting up to 470,000 square feet of non-residential uses plus housing, including 94,000 square feet of retail and entertainment and other mixed uses. This mix of land use was proposed to vary and absorb traffic flows and make best use of the planned transit station adjacent to town center. The current zoning designation of MXPD would encourage a type of uses that best avail themselves of the much needed transit. I would urge you to focus your efforts on seeing the dreams of the Clarksburg Master Plan and the construction of Cabin Branch realize. Give the community a retail environment expediently in the order originally intended by seeing stage three completed and let the wisdom of the original decision makers prevail for Miles Coppola as a future development site. You have the ability to move on this and finally to be responsive to the citizens of Clarksburg. Thanks for the opportunity to testify. Ms. Cameron. Could you turn on your microphone, please? Thank you very much. My name is Diane Cameron, and I'm representing the Audubon Naturalist Society and also the Save Ten Mile Creek Coalition, and I appreciate the bit of extra time tonight. Um, so I will. I first of all want to commend the staff for their very hard work under some difficult constraints uh, to evolve the, um, the plan to where it is tonight in the hearing draft and uh, we, we appreciate that staff has worked very hard to um, improve the environmental protection aspects of the plan in particular. Um, but having said that, we are still uh, not, um, we're not in support of this plan because we, it does not provide the protection that Ten Mile Creek and our drinking water needs. Um, one of my important points tonight is that Montgomery County has a wealth of data. We have a wealth of environmental data and in particular water quality data. We don't know of any other local government in the country that has as robust a database as Montgomery County has for our stream quality. So we're asking that we, um, that you base your decision making wherever possible on, on, on the actual data. This is a map of Montgomery County showing our stream health as rated by the biological um, indicators. Mainly these are the insects that live in the bottom of the streams. Um, there's also fish involved. Um, excellent is uh, blue and green is good. And generally you um, can see that the green and blue portions of 
in the map here are in the uh, agricultural reserve and near the agricultural reserve. And the yellow and red portions are the fair and poor water quality that is in what, what I call the urban core of the county. Um, some of the developer claims are that um, actually they say that um, urban development and suburban development will improve stream quality over farming. And if that were true, then we would see the opposite color scheme in this map. The green and blue would be in the urban areas, meaning excellent and good water quality, and the more polluted, degraded areas would be in the rural areas, but that is just simply not the case. Um, for uh, uh, just to show you that going back to the earliest days, about starting about 20 years ago, um, when Montgomery County Environmental uh, Department of Environmental Protection began monitoring, um, Ten Mile Creek overall was um, blue, meaning excellent water quality, and so were um, many of the streams of Little, Upper Little Seneca. And now today, um, there's a blurry map on the, on the right, but it does show you that um, more recently, the more recent data do indicate that there has been some uh, loss of stream quality already correlated with um, the development that has happened in Clarksburg. Um, modeling rests on assumptions, and one of our points of critique of the public hearing draft for tonight is that it's resting too much on modeling, um, and that one of the problems with modeling versus using monitoring data is that with modeling, everything depends upon the assumptions. If the, assumption, if the assumptions are false, then the conclusions will not be valid. And I'm giving examples here. I don't have time to go into all of them, but to give you a couple of examples, um, one of the assumptions are that the Maryland Department of the Environment stormwater regulations, as long as you're following them, you are, quote, replicating woods in good condition. Um, I am going to submit a, information to the record showing that Maryland Department of the Environment did not base its ESD requirements on the science of woods in good condition in several key respects. And this was um, uh, comments that were put on the record by a statewide um, consortium of environmental and watershed groups about four years ago. Another example of an assumption is that uh, drinking water filtration plants will take care of pollution, so it's okay if we allow some pollution and some degradation of our drinking water supply. With Watts Branch, we have a $25 million lesson that the WSSC has learned, which is that filtration alone is not enough. We must start with sound land use planning. And a third, uh, a third assumption is that we can ignore stream channel scour when we look at sediment loading. And the, uh, the staff draft and the uh, um, environmental appendices do mention channel scour. When, when excess stormwater is coursing down, down a stream, it's, it tends to gouge the stream channel, and that is a source of sediment to downstream waters like Little Seneca Reservoir. The current uh, the draft for tonight's hearing mentions channel scour, but it notes that it didn't include that in its estimates of, of pollution or sediment loading or degradation. So that's another example of a, a faulty assumption. I want to give you some uh, statements of um, other scientists and the staff, planning staff itself. Uh, the in 2008, the National Research Council uh, 
Stormwater Committee found that, quote, there is a direct relationship between land cover and the biological condition of downstream receiving waters and that the possibility for the highest levels of aquatic biological condition exists only with very light urban transformation of the landscape. Uh, furthermore, the June 20th planning staff memo stated that given the level of development proposed, increases in runoff volume and peak flow can be expected in all development scenarios despite the application of ESD. Um, as another example of um, scient government scientists weighing in on this, um, yesterday a letter sent to Chair Carrier by uh, the Maryland Department of Natural Resources Habitat team stated the following, while studies have shown that environmental site design to the maximum extent practicable can reduce nutrient and sediment loads, we are not aware of studies that have evaluated its effectiveness in maintaining or improving biological functions. Therefore, we support conservation of forested landscapes as the best means to protect ecological conditions that sustain biological resources. Um, in my previous testimony on this um, limited amendment, I have shown you this graph and have some discussion um, with, uh, with you about it. And the reason I think it's worth showing again is that this is an example of the robust database we have in Montgomery County, and this is not modeling, this is actual data. And what it shows is that the more imperviousness, the lower the stream quality. Yes, there is scatter in the data, but any natural system will have scatter, but still I think the trend is clear. Um, uh, a, a, a geographer named Scott Getz has done important work using Montgomery County's data along with Maryland data more broadly, and he has come up with um, correlations between imperviousness and forest cover that we also think are very um, important and are already part of the, the, rule, the master plan record um, with m several of his papers. You've seen um, images like this already tonight about Little Seneca Reservoir. I'm showing it, because, I, again, because I think it illustrates um, what I call the cascade of effects from urbanization. And so when we start to convert rural landscapes to urban landscapes, urban or suburban, there's a whole cascade of water quality effects that can end up with abandonment of drinking water sources, as we have seen with Watts Branch, and also then replacement with more expensive drinking water sources. And so since we want to avoid those outcomes, we have to take prudent action now in the land use planning stage of things and not wait to hope that engineering will solve or somehow mitigate enough um, the results of unwise land use planning. So instead, we have the chance, you have the chance now to make the decision to prevent um, problems through using protective land use planning decisions. Uh, another example of why environmental site design alone is not the answer, this is from uh, um, uh, one of the special protection area reports that shows that there is a basic alteration of the landscape that occurs. This is from Clarksburg. And the uh, image on the left is before development. The image on the right is after. And so some of the, the um, topography, some of the variation, the hills and valleys of the land was taken away by development. 
Um, and the problem with water quality is that the more you take away the variation in the landscape, the more you're um, removing part of the natural ability of the landscape to, um, to capture water and to keep water clean. Um, so I'm, to my conclusions, we appreciate staff's efforts to reduce impacts, um, but this draft does not do enough to protect. And um, I will just end by saying that um, drinking water supply should be the sole or preeminent objective of this plan, and none of the scenarios thus far provide this protection, so we ask that a new set of options be created. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Taylor? Hi, I'm Caroline Taylor on behalf of Montgomery Countryside Alliance, and I'm going to deviate from my written testimony because, thankfully, a number of speakers have addressed some of the issues, and they've done it well. I do want to say that under separate cover uh, from my testimony, which I'll provide, uh, we gave uh, over 1,100 signatures of area residents. We noticed them. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But you asked to hear from them, so we sent them to you. And there were a lot of comments, thoughtful comments, that went along uh, with those signatures. Look, we're all raising our voices here. We want to be heard with regard to what we consider, what should be considered, an important, critical regional resource. That's why people signed that, uh, the petition. That's why uh, Livable Clarksburg got the number of emails into you that they did. We've got a trifecta here. We've got groundwater that largely has been ignored, uh, the Piedmont Aquifer. We have, as we've talked about uh, quite often this evening, got the uh, reservoir fed by the excellent Ten Mile Creek. And we have the viability, which is part of my job, of local agriculture, which relies upon a groundwater aquifer outside the water sewer envelope, which if spoiled, if depleted or degraded, would result in the necessity of having at WSSC extend their services and have agricultural producers, the increasing number of table crop producers, have to pay per gallon for their water, which would put them out of business. So I consider that a trifecta. A lot of facts are in dispute. A lot of things are in dispute. Two things, it seems to me, are not. One is the Ten Mile Creek is a high-quality reference stream that serves as part of the region's drinking water supply. And two, the development contemplated in the staff draft, all have acknowledged, will degrade the stream. So what I want to also point out, which I have done in the past, and it's bears and the redundancy here is important, is that you have heard that there are problems with environmental site design in terms of the troubling uncertainty of it, that modeling versus empirical science and monitoring has its deficiencies, and that um, there are cautionary tales of the loss of other resources, watershed resources. I do want to alert you once again, and I've supplied this in a list of resources that I have relied upon. I want to alert you to the Interstate Commission on the Potomac River Basin's recent report entitled Washington Metropolitan Area Water Supply Reliability Study, Potential Impacts of Climate Change, which concludes that by 2040, our annual stream flow in the basin will decrease, will decrease by as much as 35 percent. And that was in 14 out of 18 of their scenarios. So as a previous speaker said, I thought quite eloquently, now is the time for us to get together and figure out how we're going to protect this resource, not uh, put, as one said, the uh, 
uh, horse or a cart before the horse. One of the arguments that seems to be uh, frequently uh, relied upon is economics, and I would like to agree that economics should play a, a part of your decision making, but that we must look at the long-term uh, cost-benefit analysis in terms of the, the replacement or potential replacement of a water supply. And as others rightly noted, other jurisdictions have uh, done uh, quite a good job, New York being one of them, Rhode Island being another. And, and I want to say that in November of 2012, Montgomery County's Water Quality Advisory Group wrote to the county executive recommending review and reporting on additional Tier 2 watershed designations as appropriate, which would include Ten Mile Creek. I've put this as an attachment. As you're aware, Tier 2 designation provides an additional tool for protection of high-quality waters at risk of degradation. We would ask that the board direct their staff to determine the status of this request and, in fact, support the designation. Your obligation to ensure that the watershed not be degraded must be met now. I want to give a note, finally, and I know my time's running out, with regard to transfer of development rights. We've reviewed and we heard tonight the testimony presented by the Ag Advisory Committee. We also support the staff's recommendations as part of the Zoning Code rewrite for the new use of TDRs for mixed-use zones. Um, and that I do want to note that any purchase of TDRs by Pulte was a speculative in endeavor, and certainly any argument that the purchase conferred a right to develop is simply inaccurate. The TDRs are not attached to the land, and they certainly may be sold. So in sum, I would ask that the board direct the staff to provide for additional scenarios that retain the excellent condition of the water resources. While we acknowledge that this presents challenge, we maintain that the greatest news is that we have an opportunity to get this right now. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Darby. Uh, good evening. My name is Patrick Darby. A um, little bit of a history is that my family goes back in this area, in Clarksburg area, over 250 years. Uh, we own property, two lots in the historic district, which are vacant. And I do run the bookstore at the Gardner House that Wood Cobb talked about earlier. So for me, there's a lot of this that's involved. I mean, I've been hearing what everybody's been saying tonight, and um, I don't know. I'm not an expert on environmental protections and so forth, but it just seems to me that all these years of working so hard for people developing scientific methods to protect and whatever, but it just can't seem to work here. Uh, but again, I don't know. Uh, my, I, I believe, I, I agree with what. Um, Joanne Woodson said that we should all work together and come up with a plan that protects the environment but also allows the development to progress. So I would support the projects as they are, uh, their applications, and let the county do what they do well, and that is to find out what works and what doesn't and come up with the appropriate plans. Uh, I was the founder of the Clarksburg Chamber of Commerce as their president, and the few years that I was the, that officer, I believe we did what we could for the best interest of Clarksburg. Uh, for the community, and in my tenure, we, you know, I ended it with a survey of the town, what they wanted, which is still being used in reference to by the county council. So I believe that we did what we could. Um, it did fall apart mainly because I believe the the uh, economic forecast here dried up, and we couldn't get the businesses to come here. So it's um, the community works best that has office space for businesses for people to work in, retail for people to shop in, homes to live in, and all in a close environmental area. I think that's what we should be, our goal should be. Um, but what I really came down here to talk about tonight, which has been talked a little bit about tonight, but and all throughout the years, is that 
the historic district is the forgotten district. Uh, we talk, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years trying to get the sewer in here. My father tried to do it and he died. I took over. It's been an ongoing process of promises and we've discussed these things and people say, yeah, we're going to do something about it. Nothing gets done. Nothing ever happens. I do commend the, the planning staff for their recommendations for the historic district in the FAR and the uh, impervious um, exemptions. However, none of that will do any good. Nothing will ever be built in the historic district without sewer. It's that simple. We can paint the houses. We can put some buildings in there. We make it work if we can work hard enough to do it. But nothing will get done without the sewer. And for me, that is the biggest priority that we should be talking about. Everybody here is, you know, the, his, the, the county has declared, declared the historic district as a health hazard two years ago. They've also told us that we need about a mile or a half mile worth of sewer. And they found that 200 feet of sewer is prohibitively expensive. The county can't do anything with it. And they're expecting us to take care of this, and we don't have the money. And all I can say right now is our time is our turn. We have to do something. It has to be the priority that everybody talks about, and this is what has to be solved. Thank, Thank you, and I'll take any questions. Thank you. I'd like to call up Tatiana Franklin, James Clifford, John King, Jean Cavanaugh, and Joe Buffington. Ms. Kavanaugh, since you're ready to go, why don't you start? Thank you. Uh, my name is Jean Kavanaugh, and um, I, I'm a local resident, as I think um, you all know. I live in the neighborhood um, just north of downtown Silver Spring, Seven Oaks Evanswood Citizens Association. But I'm testifying as a, an individual tonight. I am a member of an organization called We Are MoCo and the Stormwater Partners Network, both are part of the 10 Mile Creek Coalition, which is why I'm here. Uh, thank you for listening to my testimony. My neighborhood straddles Sligo Creek, which is less than a mile from here. It's a wonderful creek, but it contains water. I would not let my kids play in, and I won't let my, wouldn't let my dog drink. The county rates its quality as poor. Our community works very hard to improve it, but nevertheless, in our lifetime, we will never clean Sligo Creek to the quality that 10 Mile Creek enjoys today. Clean water is hard to come by in Montgomery County. We taxpayers, all of us in the front of the room at least, probably most people in the room, pay millions of dollars to clean the water from Sligo Creek and the other county waterways so we can use that water for drinking, recreation, and to sustain the aquatic life you've heard about tonight from here to the Chesapeake Bay. The County Department of Environmental Protection is in charge of implementing the MS-4 permit mandated by the Federal Clean Water Act. The goal of the MS-4 permit program is to restore and then maintain the waterways in the county. With the county soon facing renewal of the MS-4 permit, why would we add to the enormous problem it is already facing uh, with regards to cleaning poor waterways uh, such as Sligo Creek? We must improve our creeks and streams from poor condition to fair condition, or from fair to good condition, not the reverse, which is what the staff report is proposing would happen. 
and will happen with the development proposed. And we county residents should not pay higher taxes and increase WSSC rates to clean 10 Mile Creek after, after the developers have left with the profits from the damage that they caused. I think in the first group of testifiers, I, I heard the words, do violence in this extraordinary assault. And I would maintain that the violence being done is to the environment and to the land around 10 Mile Creek. And that's the most important thing that we have to preserve. I strongly support 10 Mile Creek Coalition's uh, report, which um, I don't think it was referenced tonight, but they came up with some suggestions on the development around 10 Mile Creek headwaters. Uh, and they had an option that calls for 4% impervious surface in that area. And that's, um, that's what I support. I support the testimony of Diane Cameron, who spoke for Audubon Natural Society, and Caroline Taylor. Please don't let a shopping outlet and sprawl development trump the rare and precious clean water that we have left in this county. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. King. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to testify. Uh, I think my your name microphone is, is probably a little too far away. Uh, my name is John King. I live at 22600 Clarksburg Road, which is on the west side of 270 and <clears throat> stage four. Um, I am speaking on behalf of myself and my two sisters who uh, we jointly own the property known as the King property. Um, and let me start or, with my conclusion in case the red light goes on. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, protecting the environment is certainly important, but I am here to support uh, the 1994 master plan as it was written, and I am not in favor of the changes that are being proposed. Um, I was going to speak about master plans. Mr. Bowman did a certainly better job of that than I could ever do in a thousand years. Um, I was at the meeting when the county council um, requested you to look at stage four. Um, after that meeting, you know, I was kind of eavesdropping on a conversation in the hallway, and the, 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 the conversation was along the line of, well, gee, I don't want to drive up there and see houses, or I don't want to look across the valley and see rooftops. And that kind of makes me wonder is whether some of this opposition from some of the local people is protecting water, or is it just because they want to protect the views from their decks? Uh, and I've, I've, I've been there, I, you know. Um, I was part of the group that when the county council back in the mid-1970s um, voted to put the landfill on what has became known as Site 30, you know, that included my parents' farm. And, you know, I was well aware of, you know, the tactic was, yeah, we want to get rid of the landfill, and believe me, that would have done in Ten Mile Creek for sure. Um, and we can use the water to our advantage. And I, I kind of wonder if that isn't what's going on to a certain extent now. Um, like I say, I was at the meeting. I don't remember them saying anything about, you know, protecting rural views, but that's in the staff draft. Um, I don't remember them saying that you needed to identify new interior forests that would have been scrub growth back in 1990. Um, and I don't, 
see them um, directing the staff to find ways to confiscate new lands for recreational use. And, and believe me, that is what's going on. Anyhow, I thank you and uh, appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you, Mr. King. Mr. Buffington, is it? I'm Dr. Joe Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chairman, for the opportunity of speaking here. Uh, Mr. Buffington, may I ask you to bring the microphone closer, please? Is that better? That's better. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we came to Montgomery County in 1979, opened up a private practice in 1981 in Olney. In 88, we built a house in Laytonsville. In 2005, we bought land in Clarksburg and started our endeavor there. We've been enchanted with the community and enjoyed working with the wonderful people in the town of Clarksburg. Several of the people have talked about the economic issues. I can tell you that had we, if the master plan has changed, from what its current status, that we would never have been able to build the only new building in over 100 years in downtown Clarksburg in the historic district, with the exception of the old post office. Uh, this meeting has never made me more happy to be labeled as a developer. We're little developers, and we've done uh, what we think is a very good job protecting the economy and protecting the environment. But to change the master plan will certainly extinguish any new businesses in the historic district of Clarksburg and will jeopardize our own also. I would hardly recommend that we return to the master plan. It was called the master plan for a good reason. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to call up Michael Gravitz, Tenley Werglitz, Rita Laporta, Cheryl Imperatori, and Alfred Werglitz. And if you're going to play something, please have it keyed up for when your turn comes. Mr. Gravitz. Thank you, Chair and members of the Planning Board for holding this hearing on the future of drinking water for the D.C. metropolitan area, the water quality in Little Seneca Reservoir, Ten Mile Creek, and the livability of Clarksburg. Though I chair the Conservation Committee of the Audubon Natural Society, I appear this evening as a citizen, and I live at 4302 Curtis Road, Chevy Chase, Maryland. Um, I'm not unfamiliar with this room because I served on uh, at least three uh, citizens advisory committees on the, to, the sector, to the Silver Spring CBD sector plan in the 1980s and 90s, and one citizens advisory committee on the county's growth plan. Um, I say this uh, uh, because, not to sort of toot my own horn, but because I want you to understand that for a long time I have had an interest and commitment to clean rivers, streams, and drinking water, and the best possible land use planning for Montgomery County. The purpose of my testimony is to remind you what the 1994 Clarksburg Master Plan says and doesn't say, because many people have already made assertions this evening about what the plan contains. Specifically, the development interests have asserted um, that they have invested heavily in the Ten Mile Creek watershed, relying on the plan, and that you and the council must not change the plan's basic outline um, by lowering densities and preserving Ten Mile Creek 
because that would be breaking a special trust. Apparently, once land use decisions are, that have been urged on by developers are embedded in plans, government bodies should not change those plans or they risk breaking their trust, even if the plan says that those decisions are contingent on additional information to be developed in the future uh, and looking at the preservation of the health of local streams. What I've learned from reading the 1994 plan was that it presupposed or assumed that the plan might change midstream. It explicitly says that new evidence, evidence developed after 1994 adoption, will affect the plan and its recommended development densities. That's what the plan says. We believe the development community fundamentally misread the plan because in almost every section of every chapter of the 1994 plan, it calls for revisiting its conclusions after the first three stages of development are completed in Clarksburg and the county has had the opportunity to assess the impact that the development has had on water quality in local streams and on Little Seneca Reservoir. There are numerous references in the plan for the need uh, for environmental precautions and um, it, when, it discusses, when it discusses future development. To be sure, the plan does include areas to be developed and the zoning map uh, to enable that development. And it includes a table that shows a maximum end state development potential of close to 1,300 units and almost 1 million square feet of commercial and retail space. I'd like to sort of end with a conclusion, which is... Do it quickly. Sure. When all is said and done, the reason I'm here tonight is because you hold in your hands the fate of the last best creek in Montgomery County. Um, and um, your job as the trusted stewards of our community is to decide the fate of that creek and the quality of our drinking water for decades to come. We've entrusted you with the role and I hope and trust that you take it seriously. Thank you very much. Tenley Worglitz. You need the screen to be up. My name is Tenley Worglitz, and I'm a member of Audubon's water monitoring team for Ten Mile Creek. I can attest to its health, and I've seen the amazing diversity of life, aquatic life, it supports. Since time is limited, I'm just going to talk about one troubling aspect of the proposed developments. Namely, increased flooding due to increased stormwater runoff. The environmental analysis in the draft plan states that, quote, given the level of development proposed, increases in stormwater runoff volume and peak flow can be expected in all development scenarios, despite the application of ESD practices. Ten Mile Creek's steep slopes and underlying geology make it prone to flooding from stormwater runoff. Flooding is a natural process, of course, but increased flooding due to increased stormwater runoff from development will have devastating consequences. I'd like to show you a video now shot by our monitoring team leader, Kathy Wiss, after a downpour on June 10th. <clears throat> As you watch the video, keep in mind that this is <laughs> Water was actually much. 
imagine what even more intensive aquatic organisms that inhabit the creek. And imagine what will happen to Little Seneca Reservoir as higher sediment loads from eroded stream banks are washed downstream, along with motor oil and gasoline from roads and parking lots, pesticides, excess nutrients and fertilizers from landscaping, and other contaminants. This is our backup drinking water supply. The future of our region depends on a reliable supply of clean drinking water. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Ms. Laporta. I consider it a great honor to be able to speak directly to all of you this evening. Um, I have lived in the county for 37 years and I have a great deal of um, respect for Montgomery County and the kind of planning that takes place here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I have had some dealings with the planning board in the past and I, I left that experience, it was back in the old days, but I left that experience with an eye-opening awareness of the complexities of your mission. And I think this tonight is another example of that. But I also left with a true appreciation of the detailed and carefully weighed recommendations that have come down from the planning board in the past, all under the name of thoughtful and wise development in the county. I'd like to address one word tonight, or two words, I should say, standards and investments. Developers develop, more power to them. That's what they do. Growth and development is, when done right, is good for our county. Environmental standards have been devised to guide that development. So I, as an ordinary citizen, see a farm field disappear, and I see houses and parking lots go up, and I say to myself, well, I'm sure environmental standards were applied, and this was all decided by the county. I have great trust in the kinds of decisions that go behind these developments. So why would I be here tonight? Because when I heard about, read about, looked at your sites about this particular plan, I was quite shocked. Like this is more about land use than it would be about all of the bickering about which standards are really good for the creek and which standards aren't. My question was immediately, what? Why is the watershed being considered for development? Don't we protect watersheds? So I say this is not just about a field or a farm or a forest. This was about a watershed, a wetland, the headwaters of a creek, a creek that is a standard. It's high quality. It feeds our reservoir. It's a standard because it's clean. And I'd say it's clean because it's undeveloped. So I was brought to being concerned about, well, what standards would apply to a watershed then? What standards can the developers come up with that are going to apply to this? And the point that I'd like to make is that I came to this conclusion. Why was the question even asked in the first place? Why would this land be targeted for development? Why wouldn't it have been an automatic, oh, well, this is a watershed. We're not developing that land. I find it hard to to see how the other, all of the other reasons can come across to override that one question that I have. Lastly, the investments. 
You as policymakers invest in the future of the county. We as residents invest in the future for our children. Please let the legacy be that we leave our children clean water and access to an undisturbed natural environment. Thank you. Ms. Imperatory. Thank you very much for your patience and your... Oh. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Planning Board, for your patience and your perspicacity and listening to all of us here tonight. My name is Cheryl Imperator. I live at 14411 Chrisman Hill Drive, Boyds, Maryland. When you look out my front door, you're about half a mile from the headwaters of Ten Mile Creek. When you go out my back door, you're about, uh, you go over the hill and you're in Black Hills Regional Park on the banks of Little Seneca. Um, I'm a member of the Audubon Society. I frequently see the diversity of wildlife that uh, we are privileged to have in the park. We have herons, geese, ducks. We have bald eagles in Black Hills Regional Park. Um, I also see in my community, which comes down as Chrisman Hill Drive, that when we have storms, when we have water, there is a great deal of water. And when you point out that the increased flooding from when we have this um, development already starting in phase three, we can see water increasing into our community. Now, our community is outside the study area, and it's also outside Boyd's master plan. We're kind of in this netherworld here, but I am very concerned about the people that are on well and septic and have good quality water and want to maintain good quality water and what's going to happen. What is going to happen when these fragile um, soils of Ten Mile Creek, which the Department of Agriculture report from the 1960s, which I didn't bring tonight, but I have previously presented uh, when Royce Hansen was head of the planning board, they are highly eroded soils. This was in the 1960s. They haven't gotten better in the past 40 years. So why would Pulte be permitted to build upon them? I don't understand this. And I have a quote from July 13th article in the Gazette where Louis Birnbaum of Pulte Homes says, environmental concerns about his development are unwarranted. He quote, uh, the quote says, a lot of the land we're proposing to develop is currently farmland, so the impact to actual trees and forested areas is minimal. So there should be less pollutant runoff from the development than there is from current use. So seasonal use of farmland would produce less pollutants than sewer construction. You get the gist of what I'm saying. No, I don't think that's true. So please consider leaving it in legacy open space. Thank you very much for your consideration of my comments. Thank you. Mr. Werglitz. Thank you. I'm Al Werglitz uh, from Gaithersburg. I've got written comments with uh, 14 pictures of a walk down um, Ten Mile Creek. For those of you who haven't walked all the way up it, I'll, I'll leave those later on. Clearly the Werglitz family is very visually oriented. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not good with words. 
<laughs> I, want, I want to thank the chair and the and the commissioners for your for your great service. It's very difficult work that you do, and and we respect and uh, and honor you for doing that. Uh, our daughter is trained as an environmental scientist, a product of Montgomery County Schools. I'm just a businessman, and my perspective is as a businessman. So I want to talk about business, and and the impact of your of your decisions here on economic development and business in Montgomery County. Um, I've been a, an executive of companies in Reston, in Tyson's, in Washington, D.C., Rockville, Baltimore for the last, since 1977, large companies. I believe in making money. I believe in trying to make money and maximize profits, and developers serve an obviously important social function. But the question is, are, are we missing the forest for the stream here? You know, these are beautiful. Can you pull your microphone a little these closer? are beautiful pictures, and this is a this is a splendid stream. It's better than the Patuxent River, where it rises east of Damascus, which is in a 3,500-acre protected park. So Howard County's water supply, the reservoir, is protected. That's what we should do here. Is what I'm going to recommend. But um, are we missing the forest for the trees? This this is a critical facility. This reservoir. It's the backup water supply for four million people. Fairfax County doesn't have any water to give us. They're dependent on our water. District of Columbia doesn't have any water to give us. Water is declining worldwide, not just in Ethiopia, fresh water, but in the United States, as we, as we heard it from the survey before. So, we're, and we're increasingly going to need that water supply as droughts become more severe. But this is nothing new. 180 years ago, when the canal, CNO Canal was built, according to the National Park Service, um, they, they built six dams on the Potomac to, to provide for periods of low river flow and severe drought. So for 180 years, we can expect that we're going to need to use the, the water supply, and that's without climate change. So our ancestors, we need to learn some lessons from our land, our ancestors. Now, on all these techniques that can be used to mitigate the damage done to streams, what happened to all our good streams in Montgomery County in the last 50, 60 years? We had great water in Montgomery County, but we don't anymore for the most part in the urbanized areas because advocacy consultants came in with uh, developers and, you know, they had a job to do. They wanted to get the project developed and they were overly optimistic. We all were about what you could do. We lived on mud behind 100 yards from Muddy Branch for six, 16 years. Muddy Branch is a mess because of, you know, development that wasn't mitigated. You, there's no science that shows that these impacts can be mitigated. We ought to, everything you do ought to be based on science, not on technical advocacy from folks who are hired. Then we ought to get the National Academy of Science if we need to make recommendations. And you as the stewards of our clean water, our backup water supply, hopefully will act as fiduciaries and you will make prudent decisions not to build on steep slopes in our most sensitive watershed. Thank you. Okay, thank you folks. Um, I'll call the next group, Julia Vickers, Christopher hmm, Arndt, maybe, and Smith and We've got another Joseph Buffington. Is that the same one? Uh, is, is there another Mr. Buffington? Yes, here he comes. We had two Joe Buffingtons. You can't both represent the Clarksburg Chamber of Commerce. He, uh, I think we got it mixed up. He, okay, the other one got three and you get five minutes okay okay all right Ms. Vickers good evening I can you hear me Buffington would you turn off your microphone please thank you 
Uh, good evening, Madam Chair and Commissioners. I feel very honored to be here and be able to talk to you directly uh, about an issue that I um, am very concerned about. I'm an individual and I don't represent um, any money making or anything that uh, uh, I could profit from or benefit from other than the fact that I love uh, the Ten Mile Creek area and Little Seneca Lake. I live in Germantown where the um, Little Seneca comes up on the side to Germantown. The lake spans 500 acres and is home to a myriad of wildlife. I often see blue herring, beavers, and bald eagles when boating on the lake. This lake is fed by Ten Mile Creek, as you all know, and is accessible to the public for boating and fishing. I encourage any of you who have never seen it, please go there. Um, I think it'll have a really strong effect on you. We are Montgomery County residents. We work hard and we enjoy our recreation. We care about our children and where they, we let them play. We are intelligent and we are capable of making smart decisions about our environment. While growth is inevitable, and I support growth uh, in a smart uh, fashion, growth is inevitable, smart growth is absolutely necessary. And as residents, we have the ability and the right to say, have a say about our environment. I'm not being paid for this testimony, and I will not profit from it from its outcome. I'm here because I know that Little Seneca Lake and Ten Mile Creek are the last clean water areas in Montgomery County. And they not offer not only clean drinking water, but also they're tremendously beautiful area. And um, again, I, I would encourage anybody to go visit it. Why do we need another shopping center the size of Rio? in a clean watershed. 40 years from now, will people say, oh, it's too bad we didn't build a giant shopping center here or an outlet mall here. They'll say, they'll say that this area is, is beautiful and, and they'll be very thankful to those of you who saved it. I've lived in Germantown for a number of years when I first moved there, there were two shopping centers. Now there are seven. Each time a new one is built, the older ones move and end up with empty storefronts, which is not only unsightly for our town, but also increases crime. I do not wish this to happen to the citizens of Clarksburg, and I support their right to have a town center, but not on, there's no reason that it should be built on a watershed. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Arndt? Good evening. My name is Christopher Arndt. I live in Boyd's, and I'm here on behalf of the Boyd's Civic Association, where I am president. The BCA requested that I testify at tonight's hearing. At our last meeting on August 15, we had a long debate about the 10 Mile Creek Master Plan Amendment. And from that meeting, we agreed to send a resolution to the Planning Board with our position. The resolution was by two motions. By un the BCA, by unanimous vote, expressed our opposition to the development of the Pulte property, which is located in Boyd's. This property should not be developed. Instead, this property should be returned to the Agricultural Reserve. 
Reluctant, reluctantly, but only as a second option, the BCA would support the Park and Planning staff report to, to limit the development of this property to less than 200 units with sewer and water provided by Pulte. The BCA strongly maintains that the proposed development would cause irreversible damage to Ten Mile Creek, the last creek in Montgomery County with the highest water quality rating and a vital source for drinking water for, Montgomery, uh, for, for the Washington, D.C. area. The proposed development would also challenge the integrity of area wells and the quality of Little Seneca Reservoir. Second motion. The BCA, again by unanimous vote, expressed our opposition to the proposed development of the Miles Coppola uh, property. The BCA strongly maintains that the, the proposed development would violate the sensitive headwaters of Ten Mile Creek, resulting in irre irreversible damage to the terrain that provides drinking water to the Washington area. Again, the proposed development would challenge the integrity of area wells and the quality of Little Seneca Lake. In short, we the citizens of Boyds are extremely concerned about these developments and their impact on Ten Mile Creek, which is in Boyds. We live around this unique creek and depend on it for our drinking water and as a last wildlife refuge not found anywhere else in the county. As the planning staff notes in their report, no development has ever been done before where an entire waterway of such unmatched quality is impacted. The proposed abatement measures have not been proven on such a scale, and now is not the time to test their effectiveness. Too much is at stake if those measures fail. There's no going back. Accordingly, we, the citizens of Boyds, strongly oppose the development on the Pulte property, and we urge the planning board to re-examine the development of the Miles Coppola property for ways to eliminate any threat to the headwaters of Ten Mile Creek. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Smith. Hi, my name is Ann Smith. I'm the president of... Pretty sure your mic is too far away. My name is Ann Smith. I'm the president of Seneca Creek Watershed Partners. We're one of eight uh, watersheds in Montgomery County. Planning board action means the final decision of this preliminary plan. Preserving resources is what preserves the community. Seneca Creek Watershed Partners would like to preserve Ten Mile Creek. Protect conserve, safeguard, defend, safe care for, and maintain. As the largest clean source of drinking water for Montgomery County and D.C., we believe these headwaters should be preserved at a 7% or less imperviousness in order to maintain its current rating. Ten Mile Creek is a source stream for Seneca Creek. The rating for the streams have to pass a rigorous quality control procedure by the state to give it a proper tier designation. Please see the letter submitted today concerning this. The 2013 Triennial Review of Water Quality Standards is giving advance notice of proposed rulemaking. They are accepting new and proposed revised regulations by the fall of 2013. They did not give a date. Stakeholders are encouraged to input information to designated use of a water body, criteria that support that designated use, and degradation policy. Seneca Creek Watershed Partner supports the added input of county and private data towards the determination of stream rating. Right now we use mostly the state. 
The Save 10 Mile Creek Coalition supports the scientific evidence that is proven and not speculative science. I thank you for reviewing all the data associated with the watershed called 10 Mile Creek, which is the source stream for one-third of Seneca. Seneca is like a three fingers and it meets before the Potomac. So, so for me, um, 10 Mile Creek is a third of, of our watershed. <clears throat> Your decision tonight will go to the county council. The council exercises oversight over all county departments and their programs. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Buffington? Hi, my name is uh, Joe Buffington. I'm the uh, owner of REMAX Realty Center at 23315 uh, Frederick Road in Clarksburg, Maryland. Uh, we opened our first location in Clarksburg way back in 2006. Uh, and then we had just opened our new office in the Clarksburg Historic District in July of 2012. Uh, I'm very concerned with the impervious caps on the Historic District, which is east of I-270. Um, again, as Mr. Darby had pointed out, the, his, uh, the issues in the historic district need to be solved, and the uh, low impervious cap uh, will prevent the investment in the sewer uh, improvements that need to be made immediately. Um, I speak with a lot of uh, future residents of Clarksburg. I also speak with a lot of businesses who are looking at, for instance, looking at our building to lease. Um, and I hear three things from, from most people over and over again, Think three things that they want. Uh, transportation. They want better and safer roads, and they want reliable public transportation. Uh, number two, they want public facilities. They want a library. They want community spaces. They want good schools. For those of people down county, they've got a lot of those things. People in Clarksburg don't have these things. Uh, and then the third thing is obviously retail options. There is one sit-down restaurant in Clarksburg, which just opened. Um, there's not much else. People want more. And one of the the economic issues is without population, there's not going to be investment. There's not going to be enough tax money. Projects aren't going to happen. Uh, Pulte's project is one of the ones that if it goes offline or it gets reduced by so much, um, it's going to be hard for that reality become that dream to become a reality in Clarksburg. Reduction of, of uh, the population will do three things, basically limiting transportation investment. We've seen it with the ride-on buses. Low ridership, low population creates the there isn't a need to have different routes. They take away some of the public transportation. Road improvements, I've seen it in other communities. It gets pushed down the priority list if there aren't a lot of people who need these roads. Uh, limited public facilities is the second one. Um, the library, if it ever gets built, it will be small or smaller. Funds for community projects will be hard to come by, and the schools will remain overcrowded. Then the third uh, problem that's going to arise out of the, reduced in the reduction in the population is uh, limited retail options. Uh, commercial development and investment will not come to fruition because there's just not enough residents. We're, fin we're finally starting to see light at the end of the tunnel for Clarksburg. Uh, please let Clarksburg grow to its true potential as envisioned in the master plan. Thank you. Mr. Buffington, perhaps you can clear up a small mystery for me. Yes. I have Betty Buffington. Yes. And Elizabeth Buffington. Yes. With the same phone numbers and the same addresses. Are yes. they the same person or are there two? Betty and Elizabeth are the same person. Okay, good. Thank you. Yes, she's my mom. It was going to be amazing if there were two Josephs and two Elizabeths. Yes. <laughs> that was a story I would have told to my children. <laughs> okay, um, we have uh, the next group will be our last group of speakers for this evening. Um, and that leaves us with um, almost an hour's, about an hour's worth of speakers. Um, who didn't get to go tonight. So we will tack those on on Thursday 
Um, we're scheduled to adjourn, I believe, at 6.30, but I would say check the agenda because it's always a moving target. Sometimes things drop off. Um, so I don't know what time of day we'll actually get to this item. Sometimes things are shorter than we think. More often they are longer than we think. So um, I'm not going to tell you what time we will start because I don't know. But anybody who's on the list now can speak on Thursday. We will not be taking any more names. If you did not sign up before this hearing started, tell your friends it's too late. So Stuart Schwartz, Anita King-Kowalski, Stephen Crum, and Linda Keenan. Looks like somebody on that list didn't make it. Yes. Turn on the microphone, please, and sit down and give me your name. Oh, okay. I'm Anita King-Kowalski, and I would like to say that I concur with my brother and Pulte. Thank you very much. I would much. also like to say one short thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone in here wants to do something with our land, but they don't own it. And it's very interesting. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. I will call up one other person um, since we lost one. Linda, is there Linda Barnes here for the League of Women Voters, or did she give up? All right, one more try, Ephraim King. Come on up, you win the prize. <laughs> All right, Mr. Schwartz. Uh, good evening. My name is Stuart Schwartz. I'm the executive director of the Coalition for Smarter Growth. We are a 16-year-old uh, nonprofit working in uh, the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. We were founded by conservation groups, leading conservation groups, but we've developed great partnerships with the business community and worked with all sectors in addressing where and how the Washington, D.C. region will grow. At the core of our mission is a supportive network of transit-oriented communities, certainly based upon our metro rail system and other high-capacity transit. Uh, we were co-partners in the Urban Land Institute, a developer group's reality check exercise in 2005, and we think we collectively changed the debate about uh, growth and development. And many of the sustainability principles and smart growth principles have been adopted in the Council of Government's Region Forward Report, signed by 22 jurisdictions in the COG region. We have supported, the Coalition for Smarter Growth has supported millions of square feet of development, thousands of housing units. Uh, we've done so with the support of our conservation partners in recognizing that, you know, the, the growth focused near transit in mixed-use walkable environments is the best way to go. We've even support, supported projects or multi projects, the Falls Grove development when I first met Bob Harris, uh, and also Metro West at Vienna Metro, and really went to bat for that one in particular. Uh, so we've carefully thought about this particular case and, um, and, and, and weighed uh, the situation we have here. I will say that for Montgomery's future, certainly transit-oriented development, is, and you've been working towards that, is a core part of your development. But it's also the commercial corridors, the revitalization of those corridors, those acres of parking lots and strip shop shopping centers that offer the potential for growth where we already have impervious surface, where we can create mixed-use walkable developments. 
we consider those win-win places because development that happens there reduces the pressure on our forests and our areas of where we still have healthy streams. And in process, we're also retrofitting with modern stormwater techniques in those, in those locations. We're also growing at a more compact scale. But it's also our towns that we have, some of which are new towns like Clarksburg. Uh, the market demand is shifting to small lot, to townhouse, to multifamily. It's millennials and it's downsizing baby boomers. Uh, so these are places where to grow, transit-oriented development, commercial corridors, uh, true towns, true mixed-use walkable towns. Places not to grow um, include, obviously, our ag reserve, but our very most sensitive uh, natural areas, and certainly something place that is a drinking water supply. I think this is a very special situation. I can't uh, match the expertise of your water, water quality folks who have spoken tonight, but I think it's a particularly special situation in this era of climate change. And the data on climate change, that study from the Potomac Basin uh, Commission that we're going to have 35% lower stream flow, you know, we cannot take risks with our water supply. We must prepare for a very different future. And this is where Montgomery County comes in. You've always been in the forefront. You've been ahead of other jurisdictions in planning at the national scale. And with climate change, we have to rethink things, including a 1994 comp plan uh, or master plan. Um, you know, yet that master plan gave you the authority to review um, what you were doing to look at new conditions, and certainly things are different. You, to worth reevaluating, both in terms of our knowledge of water quality, smart growth, and climate change. The plan itself doesn't vest rights. The purchase of, DC, of, of TDRs doesn't vest rights, and you have the authority under public health and welfare to protect your water quality and water supply. You even have the authority to downzone. Even Fairfax over in conservative Virginia has downzone to protect water quality in the Occoquan over 30 years ago. Uh, this, again, is a special case, a special, special situation. We concur with our conservation expert partners in protecting to the maximum extent possible the areas west of I-270, uh, that you know, this is not a place uh, for significant development at all given the stream qualities that you are seeing there and the need to protect it. We are puzzled by the proposal for an outlet mall on the east side in the Miles Coppola property. We don't think that contributes at all to the town center. It does look like a difficult parcel to develop given the water quality challenges you face. We are strongly supportive of the, of the historic district and the completion of the town center, and we think you can apply some more work to that part of your planning to do it creatively, in a green way, in a walkable way, uh, that really focuses on both the historic district and the new town center portions uh, across 355 from that. Um, so from a smart growth perspective, from looking to the future, we think this is a special situation. You should complete your town center. You should focus on that. The compactness of it will support transit. Uh, and in keeping with your progressive tradition, you should uh, take the effort to protect the significant uh, sensitive water uh, quality area. Thank you. What is your organization? It, it's the Coalition for Smarter Growth. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Crum. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. Uh, my name is Steve Crum. I'm with the firm of McCree Hendricks and Glasscock, and we're here this evening representing one of the owners in the historic district, Hammerhill LLC. Uh, they own two relatively small parcels in uh, the historic district of Clarksburg. The, and they are in support of the uh, master plan amendment. 
however, they would like to request one small change. Uh, one of the parcels is being recommended for the CRN zoning, while the other parcel that they own is to remain in the R200 zone. Their intention is to develop these properties together, and they would like to request that both parcels be moved into the CRN zone to, um, for the, the, the R200 zone parcel to support the historic district property. Um, it's, the total property area is only about three and a half acres, um, and uh, we hope that, uh, that you would look uh, favorably on that uh, request. Thank you. Would you make sure our staff knows exactly what parcels you mean in case they don't? You do know? Okay. They know. Uh, Mr. King. I just can't resist thanking you for being the last speaker this evening. I appreciate that. I wish you well on Thursday evening. Um, <laughs> my name is... <laughs> I, if, you, if you want, I will. No, for that crack, I might just take it away I, from I take you. it all back. I take it all back. All right. that, that's when we have the fireworks thing outside. My name is Ephraim King. I live at 7306 Baltimore Avenue, Tacoma Park. I represent myself and my family, and I am very, very pleased to be able to speak this evening. Uh, my own background, in addition to being a resident of Montgomery County, is a water quality professional who's worked for 30 years at EPA on water quality um, issues. I don't hold myself out as a scientific expert nor do I represent EPA, but I do have substantial um, background and technical information on water quality issues. I've managed national implementation of phase one of the stormwater program, development of the construction and development effluent guideline, development of numerous water quality standards, water quality assessment, mo biomonitoring guidance, and different kinds of strategies, regulatory, non-regulatory, to um, basically protect water quality. My testimony this evening is based on a review of the public hearing draft, and uh, I must say, I, was, I for one at least was very pleased and proud of the uh, board staff and the consultants for the uh, environmental analysis of existing conditions, and uh, I thought that was very thorough and uh, impressive. I'd like to make uh, four points this evening based on that review. The first is that substantial new science and data, uh, together with significant technical analysis, uh, has been presented, which I think presents an important opportunity to review scenarios three, four, and five, and the recommendations of the staff that are being considered this evening. The standard is not whether or not the scenarios are less impactful than the 1994 master plan. The standard is whether or not they are sufficient to protect the water quality in Ten Mile Creek. Against that standard, my own review of the uh, environmental analysis is that it's highly unlikely that any of those scenarios or the re recommendation of the staff will actually operate to protect the water quality of Ten Mile Creek over the long term. Picking among those scenarios will affect the pace at which the water quality is degraded and deteriorates, but it's very unlikely to affect the ultimate result, which is we'll lose that watershed as a reference stream, and it will move from its current attainment status with an existing designated use to non-attainment. Uh, I'm confident that's not what this board wants, not what the council wants, and it's not consistent with uh, the goal of a special protection area or interests of the broader Montgomery County. The third uh, point I want to make is that the heavy reliance on environmental site, degrada uh, site designation, degradation, sorry about that, environmental site design, uh, the environmental analysis 
does a great job of indicating why reliance on environmental site design across a watershed is not supported. Uh, there are over 150 references to that analysis. Over 80 of those, or close to 80 of them, specifically go to the question and review of environmental site design. Uh, it's very clear from reading it that uh, it's something that is not 100 percent effective. It hasn't been validated on the watershed basis. Uh, it hasn't been rigorously maintained in previous things, and it's not um, good for severe storms. My recommendation and closing recommendation to this group is would you please consider asking the staff to go back and consider alternative scenarios that um, reduce emphasis on the area west of, of 270 and focus on development of the town center and reduce the impervious area from 7 to 6 percent, which lets town development go ahead but does hold off on the area west of I-270. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Thank you very much for Appreciate your testimony. It. Anybody else who has written testimony can give it to the lady in blue at the end of the dais there. And we are adjourned for this evening. <laughs>